Creative Zombie Studios presents the Subjective Comedy Podcast with Brad Scott. Brad Scott is a mediocre comedian from Indianapolis. This is his show. If you don't think it's funny, remember, comedy is subjective. Our apologies if the sound quality is not the best. I am talking to my guest today through Skype on my phone, but if you're a fan of the Brad Scott Podomatic Cinematic Universe, this is what you have come to expect. We're going to do our best to get through it, and if you're also a fan of the show, you're aware that there's a particular weekend that has probably been mentioned more than any other weekend in comedy that I've ever had. She is smiling right now. She is Mesa Cronhouse, and she was there firsthand for what I refer to as the Weekend of Hell at a locally owned comedy club in Indianapolis named after a snack food. And Mesa, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you for, you for joining me. us. Uh, I feel very aware of my voice. I have to, I'm like, I'm on a phone. I have to sound extra. <laughs> wait, you have to sound, wait, how do you, how do you make, how do you improve your voice quality? What I do you know. do? Does it, does it sound better than normal? Because It sounds that. normal, which sounds good. That's one thing you were going to learn about Mesa through this podcast. She is gorgeous. You can actually see for yourself if you go to Instagram at Mesa Crownhouse, M-E-S-A-K-R-O-N-H-A-U-S. She is stunningly beautiful. And then at the same time, her personality is just as stunningly beautiful. She's very humble and she is going, she's a lot like me. She's very self-deprecating, although I actually have the physical features to back up my self-deprecation. Um, so you'll you'll figure that out. But Mesa, I literally when I walked into the green room at a locally owned comedy club in Indianapolis named after a snack food, um, your beauty intimidated me, but then you were immediately very kind. You were so nice. I want to make sure I stress that and get that on this podcast that you are so nice. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I asked you, I asked you before, I wanted to make sure the people heard this, that I was nice. This is, this is a big moment for me. I got to say, I don't know. Court? Yeah. <laughs> is this exhibit A? Yeah, this is, this is exhibit A. This is, I don't know. I don't know how, how wasted you were that weekend. Uh, but obviously I I'm going to benefit now from however much your judgment was impaired. And I based on it. that weekend, I was not wasted enough. Uh, <laughs> If you're new to the show, um, I will. Here's here's the synopsis of what happened. So, uh, I was working with one of my favorite human beings, um, uh, Drew Lynch. And if you don't know Drew, he was on American Got Talent. He's got the stutter. Uh, he is a brilliant comedian. Who also, by the way, this is one thing that always bothered me. So, the very first time I worked with Drew, I had heard his name, but I don't watch America's Got Talent. I literally didn't know anything about him other than comedians. Uh, especially Indianapolis comedians would tell me that he's not that good and he really uses the stutter thing and kind of like overdoes it. And so uh, the first night that I worked with thing. Him, huh? Jealousy's a real thing. Oh my God, first I worked with him, I was like, oh, they're all full of shit. Yeah. This dude is brilliant and he's the hardest worker I've ever seen. That's why they hate him. He is the first of all. Let's let's put the speculation to rest. The stutter is real. He mm -hmm. does not have to play it up. It is how he talks 
to the people in his life and it's how he speaks naturally. And honestly, I think his best material is not about the stutter. And he has to address it, though. It's just like Ryan Neemiller with his arm. Ryan Neemiller cannot go up with two lobster claws for hands and not talk about it at least a little bit. Because otherwise, there's people in the crowd who have not seen Ryan Neemiller, who have not heard Drew Lynch. And if it's not addressed, then they just go, wait, does this guy know he stutters a whole bunch? How long did you work with? Did you freeze? I worked with with Drew for three years. Uh, I knew him for about six months before he went on America's Got Talent. And shortly after America's Got Talent, I started working for him. Uh, and yeah, I, he is still to this day, and I've, I've met a lot of people since then. He's one of the hardest working people I know, one of the funniest comedians. Maybe he's, I think he's the funniest uh, like guy I know. Um, and I think people don't realize Thanks. that he, he did, co- well, I'm uh, other than you. Um, no, he, people don't realize he did comedy for five, you know, I mean, he was doing it for five or six years before he went on America's Got Talent and he, he, he put the time in, uh, uh he, he had no, he had no intention of making standup full time anyways. He was doing it to get better, I believe for like kind of improv and stuff. And when, when the stutter happened, he had to kind of go the route of stand. He never wanted to be a comedian. And right. he learned it, and he reminds me of like uh, those those billionaires who then go like, "I'm gonna learn how to build a deck," but they do it like the right. You know what I mean? They don't hire the guy to build the deck. They want to build the deck. They want to learn it themselves, and that is Drew. And he still to this day records every single show and will almost torture himself going back and watching it and and tweaking and everything else but it's why he can go to venues each and every year with a brand new hour and that's why uh other comics the probably the ones that are talking about how he uses a stutter are getting ready to go up and do that 45 minutes that they've done since 92 uh and they've just updated you know their monica Lewinsky to chloe kardashian jokes um yeah and so you you're how long did you work for Drew at the point of Weekend of Hell? Ah, uh, man, I don't know. That was two and a half years ago. Twenty-seven. Okay, if it was two and a half years ago, I had, it was probably. Oh man, I'm I'm bad at math. It's not a strong suit. I the first time you actually said something self-deprecating that I believe. <laughs> yeah, that that one is. I mean, I, I just I people will ask me to do math, and I tell them I don't. I just don't do it as a matter of principle. So for the people who do do math, I stopped working for Drew in it's 2020. So it by is. January of 2019 was my okay. like official last month. And you said you worked there for four years, right? Three years. Three years. So a year and a half. Got it. Right. There you go. And what do you, okay, so let's just do this. What do you remember about that weekend? Whew, I. <laughs> Hold on, that's the perfect, that is the perfect, if, if you were there, you understand. That was, that was, that's like when somebody asked somebody about Vietnam. Yeah. I, ahead, I, I remember the, one of the first things I remember was that we were asked to pay for parking. Yes, I remember I've told this that story being, so many times. Yeah, for so for anyone I don't know who, who you know 
what your demographic is for anyone who's who's not used to you know the comedy life (laughs) um it was just it was very unusual for for us to come to a comedy club where drew's being paid to perform there and then they said yeah but you have to give us five dollars for parking well this is how you this is how you told it to me in the green room and i will never forget this i've told this story so much what because uh, this was a this is also the time period where I was starting to book some independent stuff because I realized that I have a, a, a really good ability because of how long I've done comedy and because of how many shitty rooms and shows I've done. I have a good ability of running a good show because I know what it takes. And that was our theme through the whole weekend was just it's really easy to make a club good. Uh, and one of the things she uh, makes said when she goes, Show me the paper. I think it was, it was like typed out in the little itinerary thing. You'll need five dollars for parking. And you go, are you fucking kidding me? He's selling out your room every goddamn show. Now he's got to go dig around in his wallet and he's got to find change. You pay the five fucking dollars for parking. Oh, I was like, yes, because we were kindred spirits amongst that weekend. You, Drew, Kenny, and I. I didn't say that to her, by the way. No, 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 no. There. To, yeah, it was, I was just. <laughs> it was literally just me and you in the green room. And when Drew was on stage, you and I spent a lot of time in the green room just going, how do people not get this? It's so easy. If you treat people like they should be treated, like they're stars, it's going to be a, you know, a better experience. Um do you remember the meet and greet Saturday? Uh, I I remember the meet and greets vaguely. I don't I don't I can't remember so, the specific days, but it's PTSD for me. Uh, yeah, Saturday I, we started an hour and a half late each show, and if you are a Drew Lynch right. fan, you know that his people get there an hour early before the show. I mean, they're loyal. So there were people that had to, because the old club cracker, did you ever go to the other crackers club? Was that your only trip to Indy? I think it it was not my only trip to Indy, but it it was, I don't think I ever did crackers. The, the, Drew was doing, he did a few theaters. Oh, excuse, in excuse me. A local comedy club in Indianapolis named after a sack food. Right. Yeah, he was doing theaters. Okay, so if there was this another... Wasn't, Oh, I must be thinking of the name of another club. I'm thinking of the name of another club, but I have the right club in my mind. Okay, yeah. They used to have a different location on the north side. Right. And I remember you talking about this. And that, it's the it was literally the perfect layout for a comedy club. I mean, it checks every box. The showroom was big, theater-style setting to where there's not really a bad seat in the house. Uh, the the uh, balconies came out. Uh, a decent amount. So even if you had a smaller crowd, they could sit in that main floor and feel like a small, intimate, packed show. And you had a giant hallway right outside the showroom that could fit over 300 people in it for a meet and greet while you're turning over the show for the next, you know, late show. And then you could see and even start the next show while you're finishing up the meet and greet, and it's fine. And the lobby can hold enough people for for uh, a sold out show as well so there's plenty of space everything's laid out perfectly now at the club that we were at that week in the new downtown one which was designed it was upstairs right yes oh. there was no hallway and the this this was one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life because the owner designed this club this was her dream design of a club and we 
begged her over the months when she was doing it to let us help. And she said, no, I know what it's going to be. And this was the very first time that she realized she hadn't thought about what she was going to do if both shows were sold out and the headliner is doing a meet and greet. Because the lobby during the first show, which we started an hour and a half late, the lobby for the people from the second show was full. She realizes, and I saw the moment on her face where she realized she had nowhere to put 600 people. So she had to tell the people for the second show they couldn't be in the lobby. They had to wait outside those glass doors going down that staircase. Oh, man. For two and a half hours. I just had a whole flash. I just, it all just came flooding back in that moment. And yeah, well, I can't, I can't speak to obviously the owner and you guys had more of a history, but I I remember the wait staff that weekend. I remember just everyone being very on edge. And I remember specifically us apologizing to every fan and saying, we're so sorry you had to wait in the cold. Well, not only that, uh, do the meet and greet. It was like, it was almost like, if somebody wanted to take Drew out, that was their chance. Because do you guys I remember you were like kind of like in the doorway, and I was worried about Stella because it was just like you have 300 people in the same room, and Drew's just kind of tucked away in the middle of it. And uh, by the way, the owner has a lot of history. It is a centuries-old beast that uh feasts on the souls of uh comedians, and she uh I remember she, she tried to send me to go get water and she goes, I have a shopping cart. <laughs> what? Why? And I'm not pushing a shopping cart through 300 people that you can't even get to the elevator. And um, when I showed up Saturday, she goes, we only have two bottles of water. I go for Drew Lynch. 80% of them are 18. Like, what are you thinking? How do you, he, this is fifth time here. Do you also remember, uh, the 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 uh the beast the monster uh snapped at drew's mom oh though i think it was a thursday night uh while she was seating people drew's mom came up and she snapped out you're gonna need to wait blah 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 and then someone else had to come up and go that's drew's mom yep. and then she was apologetic bringing drinks and everything else which says more about her character because she was a hundred percent okay snapping at her and treating her like shit when she just thought that she was a paying customer for a premium ticket. It was only until she realized that it was Drew's mom that that's when she actually showed uh, fault. And I remember that. And I, Kenny Garcia was opening uh, for Drew, I think. Right. Me and Kenny and Drew. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember she was not too keen on Kenny either. And Kenny's one of the nicest guys, and he's a great comedian as well. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say it, but, like, Kenny, you're, he's a he's 1,000% one of the nicest human beings. His face, though, if you didn't know him, he looks tough. I mean, he looks like a tough dude. And because <laughs> uh, Garcia and he was a little brown, that's why she didn't like him. And mm-hmm. uh, she was berating the staff in front of customers, like, while she was seating – the, the servers would be there and the hostesses would be there to see people. And as people come up, she would go, thank you for your patience. My staff is useless. And the customers would kind of then look over at the hostesses like, oh, this is awkward. Uh, one of them, uh, who was at the time like a 19 or 18-year-old college student, was bawling her eyes out. And I had to like keep consoling her, being like, no, you know how this is. <laughs> We're in hell. And I don't know if you remember this. 
Saturday both shows because it was so far behind. She asked Drew to do more time. And first show, the way she did it was she came in the green room and she said, uh, I need to get a note up to Drew to have him do 15 more minutes so we can get the checks. And Kenny goes, okay, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll take the note up to him. I'll, I'll know when to go up there. And she goes, do you think that I should take the note up to him? And oh, goes, I remember. I think that's the worst idea. And she goes, I'm going to do it. Oh, no, no, sorry. This was the When we're standing over there, Kenny and I are standing by the, you know, off to the stage waiting for Drew, who's in the middle of his T-shirt pitch, getting ready to start the T-shirt pitch. Um, and that's what she said. She comes up to us. She goes, did you give him the note? And Kenny goes, no, I'm going to wait till after he does the T-shirt pitch. He sees us, though. He knows we need to tell him something. She goes, do you think I should just go up there? And Kenny goes, that's the worst thing you could do. And she goes, I'm going to go up there. And then she went on stage, interrupted him, gives him a 20, whispers in his ear, and then gets on the mic and goes, I just want to be the first one to buy one. Takes the shirt that he had not shown the crowd yet. The crowd didn't know what the shirt said. <laughs> and again, this goes to show, this is how naturally funny Drew is. I'll never forget what he said when she walked off the stage. And he goes, did I just get robbed? <laughs> and oh, I he, remember. Oh, my gosh. I, I blocked so much of this out. <laughs> and we go back into the kitchen area. And Drew, because, again, nicest human being, just instinctively hands her back the 20. Like, because he's like, oh, I'm assuming you, need, you meant this as a prop and you're not actually going to give it to me. And, of course, she immediately took it back. Now, you and I talked about this at the time. I, I, you probably blocked this out as well. Um, the kind of like it, the balls, the nerve to ask a headliner who has sold out your room all week and struggles doing sometimes a one-hour show because of his condition with his throat, to ask him to then do more and push himself even further for no extra pay. It's just arrogance. And then to take the 20, yeah. And, and Drew always takes it in so much stride. He always has a really good spirit about it. Um, and I got to say, I've been to a, an, a, while I'm not a comedian, I've been to a lot of comedy clubs and I, I get to see kind of how they're run. And it's it's interesting also seeing how it is not being a comedian, um, but getting the the background look. And, and there's definitely... You can you can tell you can tell when there's a, a club that is running really well that's happy that's doing well and you can tell when there's a club where there's you know any number of things going wrong uh, and usually it, it starts every with, one of those things went wrong that weekend yeah there was a lot that uh, that yes and I want to <laughs> ask that was actually my next question for you was. Um, do you do you remember any specifics about any other hell weekends? Where does that one rank? By the way, uh, there uh, for you and for the listeners, there is five different Yelp reviews about that night. Uh, still oh. currently, I believe, up on Yelp. Oh, and, I got to uh, see them. Oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. And you know what? They don't even do it justice. They oh. don't do it justice. And I have a photo of. I remember because you took the photo, and I remember you go. You guys need to give me like your reaction to what's going on tonight 
And I am sitting there with like my hand on my head, just like stressed. Drew is just looking angrily. And Kenny looks like, Kenny looks like he's like, oh, I got to go kill a motherfucker. Like he's got his head up in the air, just like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I'm dealing with this. Uh, and yeah, but you know what, though? I will say the one good thing about that. It bonded all of us. <laughs> yeah, so, like, no, it we- really did. I always, you know, part of me, I really enjoy, I, I enjoy bad experiences uh, because of you're doing this podcast. Reason. I well, <laughs> no, but you know, there, there's something about sharing a really wonderful experience that is always great too. But there's also there's something about everyone collectively experiencing Surprise. something where we're all just looking at each other like did we did we really just go through this that <laughs> has for me a stronger bond memory is a funny thing man and uh i remember the club very distinctly and i remember little bits and pieces but has there been any other experience that stood out uh in your time at the, at the clubs because that was our we talked about that all week and just how easy it is to, to make it a great experience and to do the little things. I mean, we all, we kept press pushing that about like, how could you not just do the little things? Every club that right. fails, it's because they don't do the little things that make such a big difference. Yeah, I, um. Like the $5 parking. Pay the fucking $5. Right. It's, it's the principle of the matter more than anything. Obviously, $5 isn't a lot of money, but it just sets everything no, off. Right. On Drew's a- going through his wallet, asking people for change, like. It's stupid. Yeah. It's one of those things where, it, like, you just, everyone knows one who only carries around hundreds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, well, he has bills that like the, us commoners don't get. He has like three hundred fifty. He has like a three hundred fifty dollars yeah, bill. Yeah. Has anybody changed for he a four seventy five? <laughs> he only uh, carries traveling checks. Uh, <laughs> no, there, there are a few. There are definitely a few clubs. I, I most I will say most of the comedy clubs that I went to were very well run. Everyone was uh, very nice to us. Other, other than sometimes them being overwhelmed with with people, that's normal. There, I would say that that one definitely ranks. There was another one that uh, the green room was not really a green room so much as it was a closet. You might be thinking of the, of the same place. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the green room very distinctly at that well, place. Drew, Drew, that was the nice thing about Drew's success. I mean, that, that's the that's the, the the thing about comedy is the reason Drew didn't have to see a whole lot of that at that point is because they're going to treat him well. Be, most sane people and smart people are going to treat him well because he's selling out your goddamn room and making you a lot of money. Uh when he asked for me to work with them uh, at Helium last year, uh, and oh, by the way, a lot of the Heliums are are they're wonderful. Oh no, that, that's the they're the Walmart of comedy clubs. They have figured out the formula. They're successful and they nail it every time. Um, yeah. Walmart's a little. <laughs> I don't mean it in massive. Maybe Target personally, but no, 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 yeah, yes, Target, Target. That was a great, good call. Um, <laughs> Drew doesn't get enough credit for this, especially here. Uh, first of all, we have un, like we have taken ownership of Drew. He was here for like the first seven years of his life. And that was it. And we're like, Indiana's home. And it's just because we're so desperate for somebody famous to be from here. But uh, he doesn't get enough credit for helping comics because 
with the it was so weird and coincidental the night uh before I worked in the helium, I didn't even know he was in town. Um and I went to go do the my first open mic at helium. They had just opened up and I never do this because I'm smarter than this, but I had gone on a date with a girl to to the zoo that afternoon. We took her little baby. It was a great day. She was super cool, super nice. And then she's like, I really want to go see your show tonight. And I, I was like, ah, it's like, it's my first night at this. It's like my interview for a job. You know, I'm like, I, I need to be focused on a lot of things. And I never take a date to my first night at a club. But she kind of wore me down and convinced me. Within 10 minutes of being at Helium, she was completely drunk. She was oh, grabbing no. waitresses' breasts. She was talking and yelling during the open mic uh, because we were you sitting. You brought a heckler. No, you you were one of those people. Oh, yeah. But I was also one of those people that went, I'm so sorry that we're leaving, but please get us our check. I can't, I can't do this to anyone else. And literally, we get the check. I sign for it. And then I hear, hey, guys, we got a special treat for you. Uh, the headliner from this weekend is going to come up and do uh, some time. So please welcome Drew Lent. And I'm like, oh, go out in the lobby. I'll meet you there in a few. And she goes out in the lobby. I uh, I watched Drew set. And then uh, I was like, uh, I'll just text him later. Like I was Because I thought about going back to the green room and saying hi. But I was like, oh, I'll just text him later. When we literally, he, we happened to cross paths in the back of the room. And he was like, Brent, I saw your name on the list. He's like, I've been looking for it. He's like, do you want to... Uh, uh, or no, he goes, uh, we need to talk tomorrow. And I go, okay. So then I went home that night thinking, well, I fucked up my chance. I'm banned from a local comedy club in Indianapolis. It's named after a snack food and run by a centuries old, uh, monster. I'm fucked. I have, I'm, I'm home clubless. And then literally the next morning I woke up to a text from Drew going, Hey man, I told helium that, uh, I really want you on the shows this week if you're available. So. Uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's going to be eight shows, and I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess I'll, I guess I can, I can make arrangements, and I couldn't have asked for a better foot in the door to a club than literally their most profitable headliner going, hey, I want this person on my show, and that's what he does for people. It's what he did for he did Kenny. That. It's what he did for Vinny Fastline. I mean, that dude cares about people he meets that he can see are good people and that work hard. And he, he, he does. He's loyal. Every time he's been anywhere near Indiana, he calls me. I went and did Rose Holman Institute with him. I had not done that college before. Like, he does not get enough credit for the things that he does for comedians in the community. And a lot of times just out of insecurity and, and jealousy amongst comedians. We eat our own a lot for some reason. Yeah. No, he's, uh, Drew's incredibly supportive of, of, I think, everyone around him. He has a, a real tendency to, uh, to try and lift the people around him up and support them in their careers uh, b- big time. And, and you know, because a lot, I, I remember I now being on my own, I learned so much from working with Drew and part of it, Part one of the first things that struck me about him was when we would go to comedy clubs, they would put up their own people. And every time we went, Drew would say, no, I want to bring these people. And he would he would always bring the people who he knew who were his friends to try and, and give them an audience because Drew's audience. That's another thing is is his fans. His audience. are They're so nice. They're yeah. really, really yeah. nice people. Yeah. And so it, it's like such a treat. Um, I think for 
What did you say? Oh, Sorry, comics? I think it. Yeah, every show you know is going to be sold out. For companies, like for the guys that open for them, every time yes. I've worked with Drew, I'm excited because I'm like, yes, I've got X number of sold out shows. And so with Drew being on America's Got Talent, a lot of guys that go on shows like that, the audience they then build, no matter what they were doing beforehand, is a certain type of audience. It may skew yep. a little older or in Drew's case, younger. Where you would think, mm-hmm. like, well, and you would think you'd have to have, uh, you know, he he would be telling the guys that open for him like, "Hey, don't." Bo-. He does he does not give a fuck. I mean, he he lets you be an artist. I remember the first time that I worked with him, I'm like, "Well, do you want me to keep it clean?" And he's like, "Dude, I don't give a fuck what you do. Be, I want you to I keep it funny." And uh, when we were at um, Red Curve Comedy in Avon, which is the theater that I book stand up at now, and yes. again got my foot in the door. That's the one I was Drew thinking of. Like, was that? That's the one I was thinking of earlier. Was Red Card. Yeah, artist first. That is an artist first venue. We've become super proud of that. And uh, they just, uh, Will, the guy that owns it, came back into the green room and goes, there's a seven-year-old out there. And Drew was working on very blue material. And he's like, hey, Brad, would you mind? Uh, I'm like, you want me to go out and say fuck a few times and tell the people it's going to be an adult show? He's like, yeah, if you wouldn't mind. I'm like, of course. Like, and here's the thing, and I guarantee you, Kenny's this way, Vinny was this way. I would bury a body for that guy. Like, that's just, you You feel that closeness to him because, again, he's just, he's a guy, he's very sincere, and you know you're not going to get bullshitted with him. Uh, but enough, because he does have a little bit of an ego, so I don't want him to maybe catch this. Well, he's not going to listen. <laughs> so, okay, next thing we need to talk about, and I'm just going to start it this way. I said before the show we were chatting, Mason said that uh, she's almost always at a boiling point to anger. And I said, I've never seen you even close to angry in any form or fashion. I think I would want to one day. Pam Beasley is a villain. She's the villain of that series. She is not a good person. And I have a case to break down. Okay. I would love to hear your case because I firmly disagree. And I know Drew Lynch would back me up on this. So let's go. He tried. He tried. I think oh. I actually started to convince him. I may have ruined his experience, to be honest. But okay, so look at let's look at the facts. When when we meet Pam, she is engaged to Roy, but openly and constantly flirting with Jim to the point where she makes she leads Jim on to believe there is something there, and Jim makes a move to kiss her. What does she do? She, for the only time, even though she's the cause of all that, like he goes to kiss her because of her actions towards him. She, for the once, she does the right thing and tells him, no, I'm engaged. Jim decides, you know what? I just made a move on an engaged woman. I really need to get myself together and think about who I am as a person. And so what does he do? He moves to, uh, was it, was it, uh, not, uh, what's the other one? Where did Jim go season three? Pennsylvania, I think. What was it? Or no, wait, sorry. Scranton was Pennsylvania. He went to uh, Utica? Was it Utica? Shit. Stanford. Stanford. That's yes. the one I was thinking Go of. Go to the Stanford branch. Get away from everything, right? Transfers himself. To a, moves. Uproots his life. So that he can let her have her engagement. Okay? He goes and meets 
what I call the hero of our story, Karen. Karen was the hero. Karen was amazing. And they have a great relationship. They have a great rapport. Karen can hold her own with Jim. She's just as quick. She gives it back to him. You know what I mean? And what is Pam doing this whole time? Sabotaging her own engagement. She broke it off with Roy after uh, cheating on him. And then... Okay, she did not cheat on him. That kind of. No, not kind of. She didn't pull away immediately. Okay, that there's a huge difference. But uh, well, that doesn't help my case. But yeah. she uh, she she breaks the engagement, and what happens? Stanford Branch closes. Jim mm-hmm. comes back happy with his new non-engaged girlfriend, Karen. They are happy. They are a great couple, adorable. Would have beautiful children, and. What does Pam do? Almost immediately starts to sabotage their relationship for her own selfish gain so that she can get Jim back. Starts, I mean, blatantly going back to flirting with Jim. But now she's not flirting with Jim behind her fiance's back. She is flirting with Jim in front of his girlfriend's face. And then eventually breaks him up. And Jim foolishly Foolishly gets into a relationship with her. Ow. They get married. At, first of all, they get married pregnant. We all know what that means. Uh, then. Wow, you're really going <laughs> to do that, huh? I don't really feel that way. I don't really feel that way. <laughs> but she, okay, so then we're married, right? Jim gets this opportunity to invest in a company about sports. As we all know through the years, Jim is a huge Philly sports fan. And now he has an opportunity to be a part of a company where he's going to be working in sports, but it does require him at the beginning to be in Philly to do so. And Pam does nothing but guilt this motherfucker about it to where he gives up on his dreams. Now that wouldn't, I can understand like all the separation is just hard to deal with, except for the fact that prior to that, Pam took off and went to New York to chase her dream. And what does she do in New York? Gives Jim the idea by leaving him uh, butt-dialed voicemails with other men's voices coming through, and then drops out. And so Jim's like, well, okay, now it's my turn to go chase my dream. She sees him being successful, gets a little jealous because she dropped out. And it's like, no, you can't do that. So Jim, because he is Jim, and another hero of our story, leaves the company, comes back. That's my case. All right. First of all. (laughs) (laughs) I, okay. Later seasons, Pam, was a little disappointing to me. She went through a very human thing that I didn't agree with. And it's difficult to watch. Specifically, I'm, I am referring to her reaction to Jim uh, going off to do his own company. Okay. Uh, sports something. Yes. That part, uh, you know, you want that part, you feel disappointed in her because. You want her to be as supportive as Jim was for her. It doesn't feel fair. It felt forced 
personally, I felt it felt forced by the writers who were like, oh, we need to have conflict in here. I don't think any of early seasons, Pam, informed any of later seasons, Pam. I think they're they're very different characters. And so let me just address all of the first part of what you said. Oh, first- fuck. I'm, I forgot. I'm actually doing, I'm bad with this against an actress. Ha! But, okay. Okay. So first of all, Pam is someone that I think everyone can relate to from the very beginning, at least in a small way, in that she's someone who's not confident in herself. She doesn't have a lot of a personality because she's in her shell. When we first meet Pam, she is engaged to Roy, who's a freaking douchebag. And to say that he's not, like, he's someone who doesn't... the engagement. Hmm? Then call off the engagement. But she doesn't, she does not know that. Like, she's someone, I think that we can all look at her. And if anyone has ever been in a relationship where they've stayed in it for too long, and even though that person was not right for them, how do you not relate to that? Or is a douche recognized douche and she's looking familiar? No, it is someone who, who has not been shown a lot of attention and, and Roy was there and was like, she didn't realize what it was to be treated right. That's it. Or maybe he treated her right in the beginning, but it fell off. Whatever it is, he was a douche when we meet him in the show. The whole Valentine's thing where he's just like, oh yeah, like, oh, don't worry. I'm going to make love to you like all night, even though I didn't get you a Valentine's gift. Oh yeah, I'm going to sex you up good tonight. Yeah, and then he goes, uh, and then for for Christmas when she gets the iPod, and he's just like, oh, great, now I don't have to get you one. I'll get you, like, I don't know, a sweater or something. <laughs> he, the, the writers make no reservation about letting us know that Roy is a douchebag. At no point does Pam cheat on him with Jim. Jim is friendly and nice and amazing and funny, And they have a rapport going. I think it's difficult not to be close to someone. And I think what happens is people watch the two of them together and say, oh, she was like flirting so hard with him. But here's the thing. I have a lot of guy friends. And I would say that there's a lot of times where that rapport can seem more flirty than what it really is. Or like, I don't know. I mean, some people might argue that like, oh, well, the guy thinks it's flirting. But I I genuinely don't think it is. I think that there is that when Pam and Jim are talking to each other, for the most part, this is how like best friends are. There are a few moments where it does sort of cross the line into kind of romantic territory, like the grilled cheese on the roof. Yeah. So I'll give you that. But if you're engaged to somebody, I don't see how you expect. Hmm? The teapot. The teapot was Jim giving it to her. So excuse me, (laughs) but Pam can't be faulted. And by the way, she wanted the iPod. (laughs) She didn't even get the teapot. It wasn't until the end. Oh, yeah. What did she end up with? And guess what Roy had to do then? Begin the iPod. iPod. He should because he was a douche. It was nothing to do with Jim and it was everything to do with Roy. And you know what? Hmm. No, no, go ahead. The minute that she 
the, here's the thing is the minute after casino night, the minute that Jim kissed her and said, you know what? I'm, I'm in love with you. I'm really in love with you. She reacted as any human does, which was, first of all, she did the right thing. She said, I'm sorry. That's not, I can't do that. And she rejected Jim. He left she broke up with Roy. That was the moment when things got romantic, officially romantic between her and Jim. After she broke up with Roy, then she started to evaluate her life. She didn't reach right out to Jim and be like, you know what? Yeah, I don't, I don't fuck this Roy guy. I'm going all in on Jim. No, she did what any adult human being does. And she's like, I'm going to take stock of my life. I'm going to figure myself out. By the time Jim comes back to Scranton, she's, she's done a lot of growing. And there are times where she like, oh man, I can't even, I I could, the whole podcast could be about this because here's the thing, her behavior while Jim is dating Karen, first of all, she makes every effort to be nice to Karen while still battling these feelings that she has for Jim. Karen sensed it. Karen knew that there was a wolf in sheep's clothing. But is that Karen's fault? Like, whose fault is that? How can you fault any of those characters for feeling what they genuinely felt? Karen sensed it, but so what? Pam was perfectly nice to her despite that and didn't, she could have easily been catty. She could have easily tried to take Jim well before the the beach, but she didn't. And she was really supportive of Karen, who Karen was having trouble getting along with anyone in Scranton. And Pam was like, hey, you know what? No, I'm going to take the extra step because I could be bitchy. I'm going to take the extra step to try and welcome Karen and just be like a big person about this. And that's really freaking hard to do. On beach night, she went and she did a thing that was like pretty not cool, which was just to say like, hey, I miss you, Jim, in a way that she said. Beach night. Yeah. But also, here's the thing. I can't fault Pam for shooting her shot in the same way that Jim shot his shot. Jim was not engaged to Karen and Pam was engaged to Roy and Jim went ahead and Jim was the one who kissed her. How can we fault Pam for going back on beach night and saying, you know what? I I miss our friendship and things are weird between us now. She didn't even say, I want to be with you. She didn't say any of that. She just said, I just, things are weird now. And I'm, I'm, I just miss that. And here's the thing. I don't think Karen is a bad person at all. You're right on every point. She's funny. She meets Jim halfway. She's hot. Like all of that. Boom. She ticks those boxes, but you know what the difference between her and Pam is, is that Jim and Pam were meant to be. (laughs) They loved each other. They were soup snakes. (laughs) And you know what? I will say um, PB and J does a, a little bit better ring than K and J. There you go. And I, it's I, I, Karen, but Karen found her husband. She found her love. She got, she has babies now too. Like all of that. Uh, and by, by the way, I love the evolution of Roy. Yeah, he came on too, but that's that's what it goes to show what happens when we're with the people that we're meant to be with. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think I have been bested. Ooh, shoot! I think I I may have, I may, I may be, uh, 
It also could have been my cynic, you know, uh, was it cynicism? Is it cynicalness? Mm-hmm. I want cynicism. Cynicism. Yeah, it could be my cynicism towards love uh, that I, that had me in that position. Anyways, who knows? Maybe I'll give love another chance. I mean, that was give a it damn a good sh- argument. No matter what, we grow, and I think I think that the office, while obviously it's a fictional show, and there are things that are exaggerated and fun about it, it also shows like some really real human moments. And part of the whole triangle oh, yeah. with Aaron, Jim, and Pam is like a really human moment because I can relate to each one of those characters. I can relate to Karen. I can relate to Pam, and I can relate to Jim. I've been each of those characters at any point. So when Karen gets like is is feeling you know, jealous about Pam and when she's the one that gets passed up on all those things. Like I empathize with her. I feel so bad for her. She's not the villain, but Pam's not the villain either. I know. I know. No, I, I, like I said, I think I can't believe I'm saying this. I've had this, I've had this, this, uh, theory for a couple of years now. And <laughs> like, honestly, when Drew and I first, uh, were debating it, uh, he was, and I'm not sure if this episode, if your episode may be coming out before or after Drew's, but he was almost like, I think I, I, I may have damn near ruined him. I almost broke him. Uh, it's like he was like, oh my God, I never thought of it uh, that way. But I think at the same time, he was also angry with me. Uh, so I, I have planned on using this as like a sparring session for tomorrow uh, with. Uh, Again, whether you just listen to or you're going to listen to Drew and I do an entire episode about The Office, uh, but fuck, like it was a sparring session, and the unknown, uh, you know, gym rat that I asked to to get in the ring and help me with and give him fifty bucks afterwards just knocked me out. <laughs> like that wasn't supposed. To- you put up a good fight. It's just I have reality on my side, so I don't live there. <laughs> um, <laughs> So what did I say at the beginning of this? I know Drew would back me up on this, whether whether he's coming before or after, uh, like. Oh, yeah. No, he was completely on Pam and Jim's side. Like it was. uh, Let me get your top three episodes. Are you asking me? Yes. Oh, man, that's it. I will let you extend to five if you need to. No, it's just it's just difficult. I would say. Let's see. The the fire drill episode. Drew's so good. He know he like he can remember the names of everything. The you one where me the description. I don't need the I don't need the episode names. The one where there's the fire. Where the where uh Angela throws her cat. Yep. And there's the that whole yeah. scene that got shared everywhere. That's a great one. Uh man, what's like a good to me, I, to me, there is a correct answer for the best episode of The Office of all time. But go ahead. I'm so I'm so bad at picking favorites because it changes so often for me. I I feel like I always get tripped up when I'm asked a favorite. No, I noticed that in your questionnaire. Yeah, it's uh, it's really tough for me. Uh, I think that when you say whatever episode it is, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that is one of my favorites." Like a like <laughs> like someone with no personality. But g- give me what your right answer is. Well, that's the number one. I feel like two and three can be kind of like interchangeable. It can be kind of subjective, but I think there is a clear cut best episode. So I'll go my I'll give you my my three and two. I'll give you my three and two, and then I'll give you my one. 
Okay. Uh, to me, number three is Diversity Day, which is like right. from season one. The oh yeah, yeah. Mr. Brown. Yes, because it was like I think the second episode. Yep. And it's when I started watching because I just came across it, and I was like, "Oh, it's the guy from the Daily Show." Huh. And then, and then when he did the Chris Rock part. Oh my god. I was hooked. That hooked me to that entire show. <laughs> it could have been trash after that. And I was gonna stick with that trash for a long time because of how funny that scene was. And then my number two is I think it's called date night, but it's where they go to the happy or no, it's called happy hour. It's where they go to happy hour after work and Jim and Pam bring their friend to try to hook up with Michael and he becomes date oh, Mike. I'm date Mike. <laughs> How do you like your eggs in the morning? Uh, and the best part of that is when uh, they're when he doesn't realize that they're on a date, and then they're like, "What do you think is you know so and so?" And he's like, "No, oh, yeah, she's cool." And they're like, "But what do you think of her?" And then he's like, "What do you mean?" And they're like, "Well, we're kind of trying to set you up." And then the look he gives, and then the immediate scene cut to him walking to the to the parking lot, and he goes. Well, Michael Scott is on a date, and he opens up, gets the Kango hat yep. out, puts it on, and, goes, and that changes everything. And yeah. then oh. immediately goes in, gets, just starts, the sound that Steve Carell makes when he comes in and just hits the pool ball really hard for no reason, hey, yeah, gets on, oh my God. And then number one, I think this is hands down the best episode. The dinner party. Oh, yeah, that's the one. No, that is my favorite. That is one of my, that, oh my God. Okay, yeah. I can and has the best, best moment of the entire show. Go ahead. Uh, what, what, do you know what I'm talking about? Wait, is it, I don't know. <laughs> There's so, so many good ones on the dinner party. Is but, it when, with the dancing with Hunter or is it the no, plasma? <laughs> no, no, it, it's, it's, you know, so I had a, uh, a girlfriend at the time. We would, uh, like, she was a DJ uh, mm -hmm. at a downtown Indianapolis nightclub. So a lot of times when I would do shows, we'd go hang out with, like, the Sabbath stuff. We'd get that around the same time. We would go to my house and watch that episode every goddamn night. I can't believe night. I forgot about Dinner Party. And there was one scene that, even on viewing 8,094, made us cry laughing the same way and it's when Michael and Jan are starting to have words at dinner Yeah, and she says uh, he says I'm going to go to that room break those candles you break them you bought them good Bye. I'll be your first customer but you're hardly my first and Michael with a little bit of food in his mouth puts his arms out that's what she says it's so good it's because it's so just it, there is this huge argument, but Michael still can't get away from the that I cannot. Drew's gonna if Drew listens to this episode, he's gonna be so disappointed in me that I forgot dinner party because that is really my favorite. Uh, oh my god! I, is... If I had remembered it, I would have put that at number one. But and the George Foreman Grill episode was a great one too. Oh, but, that is you know, that's one I forget about. Yeah. Uh. It's just, yeah, that show, the way, the way that they, even, even the later seasons, which catch, which caught a lot of flack, I thought yeah. were good. Like, it's, it's just, it's one of those things, it's like, uh, 
I was doing a podcast. Uh, it should be coming out this week with uh, my friend, fellow DIY Joker original Brett Terhune, um, called Field Trip, where we talked the whole episode about South Park. And I said, you can't find a bad episode of South Park. I said, you just can't. And if you do, it's because you're comparing it to South Park. Okay. Uh-oh. You disagree? I Here's the thing. First of all, I think the I think the people who make South Park, I don't know their names because I'm terrible. Matt, uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. I think they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, they're hilarious. I, There's a butt coming. I, all of the praise. I've never liked, personally, I've never liked South Park. I can't get into it, and I never think it's funny. But there's a big what? but. There's a huge but. Here's the thing. I think South Park is hilarious. Anytime other people tell me the episode. So every time I've had someone say, oh, you got to watch this episode of South Park, this and this and this happens, and like this and this and that, I'm I'm laughing the whole time. They'll go through all the jokes. The I'm like, I'm dying, and I think it's hilarious. Mr. I sit down actually watch the episode, it. and I'm like, what is this? I've never, it just is I don't know what it is about, I, I don't know, I really don't know what it is, but I, it doesn't do it for me somehow. It's an objectively funny show, and I know that, because when other people tell it to me, it's funny. But somehow when I sit down and watch it, there's something subjective that, <laughs> that, uh, that just, it, I don't know, it bumps me, like I, I can't get into it. Uh, For the longest time, I thought I I didn't like South Park until people would describe episodes to me, and I thought it was great. Are you a fan of Family Guy? I am. That's okay. So Simpsons. You know, I I never really got into the Simpsons, but it it's not for lack of like I, I don't have a much of an opinion on the Simpsons. I've never I've never like watched. I think I'm sure I've seen bits and pieces, obviously, but I've never seen them. And like, I gotta watch the show. But here's uh, what here's so here's why here's my argument for why I think South Park's one of the greatest shows ever. It's not it's beyond just the actual show itself. It's those two guys, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. They they do not back down for when they believe they are right and they are in like they are the like they are right like when they're on the right side of history with things like. The the Prophet Muhammad thing with Comedy Central, uh, you know they they won't back down. I uh, I really admire the creators, really do. I I and, do admire that about them. And that show, it's it's never going to apologize for being it, and it got so much flack because conservatives looked at it as uh, it's just they it's just liberal hating show. They go after liberals. They go after anyone they who's on everybody. the extreme of one side. Yeah, they're in the middle, and if you're gonna be extreme on one side, that's who they go after. They they're like Snopes. You know what I mean? There's no bias. They're just going after. Just gonna re- they're gonna report the facts and make fun of them, and it doesn't matter which side you're on. So that's to me why it's like I think it's one of the greatest shows ever because I'm very big on morals and principles and and being a good person and believing in that enough that you'll stand in the face of that stuff even if people are telling you how wrong you are and you're going to go no i know i'm right because i'm on the side of right and good and i'm going to defend that and those guys do it every time 
they always go, hey, it's comedy, it's jokes, and we're going to stand behind that. So that's that's why you no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, Randy Marsh um, gets arrested for, yeah, we get arrested for drinking and driving, or seeing us driving and Scott, I have a disease. And he's very sick. He's just an alcoholic, so he's just drinking beer the entire time. He's in line, there's a kid with elephantitis next to him. He's not the same. See, this is how bad a comedy I am. She just no, got... No. This was, Let me I tell you what just happened. Did I Let freeze? me tell you what just happened. My, my audio completely... I don't. I think it was just lagging. So all I heard was the Bloody Mary episode, something about alcohol, drunk driving, and then Elephant Man. And so I was <laughs> trying to follow along. And I was like, yeah, but I, did, I didn't hear much. <laughs> I can't think the, the audio episode. would catch up and it never did uh, you know uh, I, don't, I don't know how we're getting I, I don't think this actually was a transition but we'll make one um, we talked about earlier you're an actor yes and you live in LA I do both which, of these are which that I said both of these are facts um, did you grow up in LA I did not where did you grow up? I grew up in North Carolina. Come on and raise up. Um, did you get that one? Did I? Sorry? I said, come on and raise up. Come on. And, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. North Carolina. I, I, yes. Yeah. Is it me, Pablo, like a mayor? Um, so what part of North Carolina did you grow up in? Chapel Hill. Okay. That's a, is, yeah, that's a little more of a, like, progressive city-ish, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's a college town. Uh, it's where Michael Jordan uh, Michael went to Jordan. school. Uh, because there, North Carolina is home to my least favorite city in America. Not really? city. Not city, though. Comedy club. But it's a, Greensboro. Okay. Yeah, okay. The yeah. Greensboro Comedy Zone is the... I th- so, for those listeners... It, it's obvious that it was used to be a Chinese restaurant because you go in and there's a koi pond that you have to walk over a bridge over. But it's a gorgeous-looking comedy room and has it's a big, beautiful crazy. stage. What's that? Is that true? Yes. Never been there. That's that's amazing. I gotta go. And there's a koi pond with a little bridge like you would go into a Chinese restaurant. Now, here's, here's what makes the Comedy Zone in Greensboro the worst. There's a big bar in the same parking lot called Arizona Pete's. It's just a big building where each section of the building is a different type of bar. There's a Western bar. There's a dance club, nightclub part. There's a place they do phone parties and awful things like that. And Saturday, it costs $15 to get into Arizona Pete's. Or you can go to the comedy show and pay $10 and they give you a ticket for Arizona Pete's after the show. So Saturday, at least first show, sometimes both, you're not doing stand-up for an audience. You're just ambiance for pre-gaming bros. And it's fucking horrible. And a comedian named Dave Landau, I was working with him there, and we were doing a longer week than you usually do. It's usually a Friday, Saturday. I think we were doing a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. By Friday night, the end of it, we were just like, we hate this place. This is awful. Tomorrow, we're going to go see a movie. 
take our minds off this. So we went and saw, uh, you ever seen Tusk? If not. Uh, it's Kevin Smith movie. Uh, uh, Justin Long, is that his name? Uh, uh, the guy that used to be the, the Mac guy and everything. Dad, yeah, I don't know. I'm giving you terrible dreams. He's in Justin Long. But anyways, he plays a podcaster, right? Who's a failed comedian. And his podcast is called The Nazi Party. Not C N O T S C E, because uh, Haley Joel Osment, fat Haley Joel Osment, who's his co-host, will describe a video he's watching to him. So they're oh, we're sitting in the movie, we're ready to take our minds off everything. Well, we didn't realize they shot in Greensboro. So as they're going around the computer, there's a still frame. Of Justin Long on stage at the goddamn Comedy Zone in Greensboro, and we both looked at each other like he can't be. No, we're here to get away from it. It felt like the comedy club was out of a Stephen King book. It was fucking following us now. But it's an experience with the Comedy Zone in Greensboro. So what's the what's the uh, uh, what's it like trying to be an act, uh, an actress uh, an actor in L.A. What's it really like? Did you hear, you know, I'm dumb Midwestern guy. I believe all the cliches and stereotypes about it. What, what, what does set me straight? No, I think it's probably somewhere in between uh, the, the stereotypes and cliches and, and, you know, I guess reality. Um, it's difficult, but, and there are a lot of, I think the stereotype is like, there's a lot of very vain people and everyone's just kind of out for themselves is that no, that's accurate? Stand up. <laughs> yeah. Well. I think so. I think in comedy is the exact same way. When you say it's, it's very difficult, it really is. And this is this is one of the most difficult parts of it is if you're not in this industry, you have no, no matter what you think, you have no real clue just how you are stunningly beautiful and have an amazing personality and are very eloquent and articulate. And you are talking about the struggle. And I told you before we started recording, that gives someone like me hope. Because I am a really good comedian on stage. And I don't know, man. I think it should make you question your your interpretation. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Ah, you're not talking about math anymore. I don't buy it. Uh, but no, if so, when, when people want to try to, and like, people judge you. If you're not in the top 1% of our business, people think you're a failure. Like, I am successful compared to a lot of comedians that are trying to do stand-up. And, despite, and I don't think I'm successful. I'm trying to get to a point where I'm successful. But I've still made, made it further than a lot of people. And if I'm not, like, you know, whenever someone gets mad at me, that's the first thing they go to because they think it's going to cut me the deepest. You're not good at comedy because you... You're not Dave Chappelle or Jerry. You know what I mean? If they haven't heard of you, which again is 1% of my business, then I'm a failure. So 99%, that's how you're judged. And I feel like that's a tough thing because it almost gets to a point where like, I don't want to tell people I'm a comedian because it's just like, well, why haven't I heard of you? You have a Netflix special? Have you, you know, have you, what have like you been yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they just give that away. Like I, like Netflix is calling me every morning and I'm just like, leave me alone. I told you. Um, but you're right. Like it is, it is a, what's the toughest aspect of a day to day? You know, 
It's uh, when the phone doesn't ring and no one is on the other end saying, hey, we want you to be the lead of the next Marvel movie. Um, but no, I, it's, it's, I think it's, it is very similar to comedy in a lot of ways uh, or any other aspect of the entertainment industry. I think there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like feeling, oh, you know, if I'm not on the billboards or if, if, if I'm not a household name, then I've failed. Um, and I think there are also, there's, there are people in the, in the industry as well, who feel that way, who do live up to maybe that stereotype of they're only interested in someone who's a name who can do something for them. But more than anything, like some of the, the closest people I've met in LA and there are a, a pretty great number of them. And I would say the majority of them are people who, um, who do understand that on all levels of that ladder. So people who are maybe just starting out all the way up to people who have already made it and are, are like killing it and who are household names, um, who all of them kind of, there's like a camaraderie of we're all sort of in this together and you don't know when it could end. And we're all just trying to do our best. And if, if you can help me and I can help you great, like let's help each other out in any way we can. So that part is really great. Um, and that's the part that like, you know, the keeps you optimistic for stuff. Um, but it is definitely really hard and it, it took a lot of getting used to being like, okay. Um, it's a lot of feeling like you're not doing anything even when like, if that makes sense, you feel like you're working hard and just achieving nothing. (laughs) Again, this podcast, um, when did you decide to be an, you were going to go out to LA to be an actor at what age? I was 18. I had, I decided I, I would decided I was going to move to LA two weeks before I moved to LA. Holy uh, cow. That's the yeah. story. <laughs> I, what made you um, decide to? Yeah. I, well, so I, when I was in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had always done theater and I had always loved it and enjoyed it, but no part of me ever thought it was something that I could be like I could make into a career. It wasn't until high school um, when my acting teacher in high school, her name was Hope, uh, Hope Hines Love. She really had wait, like wait, this. Wait, 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 wait. Her name was what? Hope Hines Love. Her her given name is Hope Hines and she married into the name Love, if you can believe that. So her name, uh, her husband's last name was Love. So she became Hope Love. Surprisingly, though, I, I misheard you. I thought you said her name was Hope Finds Love. Oh, no, no. That would have been, her, that really would have been something. Her parents do go, okay, go ahead. Um, but she, the theater program, it was at East Chapel Hill High School. It was a public school. It was a really great theater program. That was the first time that I was like, oh, people can actually work at this. Like, it, it, it's not just something like, it's not just playing theater games and doing plays, it's really, you can, there's a craft to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it really excited me. And it was the only thing that throughout high school, when everyone's saying like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? It was the only thing that I was like, I, I work hard at it and I enjoy working hard at it. 
And I, there were not a lot of things that, that there really was nothing else that did that for me. So I started to look at colleges that had good theater programs like NYU and Boston University and UNC School of the Arts and all those things and whatever. And I hated school so much, like with such a pat, like I, I just still, I, I didn't want to do it anymore. I was really exhausted with school. Um, and I did some, some summer programs at UCLA, at UNC School of the Arts, at a bunch of different places to kind of, I decided to take a gap year, which was the thing. And, um, and I said, okay. I'll, I say, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Go, go, what were you saying? Sorry. I was saying it's like when comedians say that uh, I'm just going to work at this Amazon plant for six months where I can, you know, get my finances back up. I'll do comedy locally, but, uh, you know, right. it's, a, it's the death of an of a entertainer or someone chasing their dream. It's kids, relationships and day jobs. Exactly. And I, this was my this was my college equivalent of that it was like, let me take a year and then I'll go to college. We'll see. Um, I just need a break. Um, so when I, I, but I, you know, I said, okay, I'll do some, I'll do programs at these colleges to see if maybe there's one that I really, I vibe with. Um, and I, when I went to UCLA and I had great experiences all that time, but when I went to UCLA, I don't know what it was. I had one of these very weird moments that I rarely have in my life where I was like, I need to be in Los Angeles. I just, I have to be here. I don't know what it was. And I, I had met someone there that, um, at UCLA who was like, he was like, a, they called them mentors. They just kind of were people who were also trying to make it, who would help you navigate the campus because it's 20 freaking miles, like <laughs> from one place to the next. <laughs> you have to run a marathon. I dropped the hang out. There you go. Okay. There you go. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they were just there to be like, Hey, like, here's how you get places. Oh, wait, geography wise mentors. Yeah. Like they were, they were just like helping us go from one place to another for the most part. Um, but one I thought of the you meant like in a career, like they're going to help us go from commercials. They called yeah. them mentors. Like this program called them mentors. I think that's what they wanted. They wanted to like inspire people and. But they were just, they were, you know, they were all wonderful. They were all in the same boat. They were, and and a lot of people minimized their accomplishments. They all had accomplishments. They were all like trying to be writers or, you know, one of them had had written for Conan and all these things. So they were actively in the industry. Yeah. But it was, they really were there just to kind of take us from one place to another. you, you, You had a different give direction in mind. What? You said you you had a different give. You thought they were going to give a different type of direction, not yeah. literally like no, all like, right, literally all give right directions. <laughs> yeah. So uh, um, what happens next? So one of the one of the mentors who was there had mentioned that he had helped people move to LA before, and he was like thirty six, and I was eighteen, and I went home and Uh-oh. I was just like. No, and I it was it was it was it's a totally genuine thing. Um, okay, well, because the way that well, usually when people start off by mentioning the age gap like that, it's yeah. going to lead to something much darker. 
No, I only mentioned the age gap because I think it was something that people would look at me and be like, are you stupid? Like, what's wrong with you? Um, because he was 36 and I was 18. And I, I went back home and I couldn't get it out of my mind. Like, I had to move to L.A., And I reached out to him and I said, look, I know this is super weird, but you said you had helped people move to L.A. Like, do you think I could crash for a little while? And he was like, sure. So two weeks later, like I told my parents, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I just. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Your parents parents are what to send. Well, so my my parents are both uh, they're both doctors and it was a lot, but they've been very supportive as much as I could possibly hope. I think that they were just happy. I, I think I conditioned them my whole life for this moment um, by just disappointing them at every step of the way. <laughs> so I think when I came to them and I was like, hey, I, I want to move to L.A., I'm going to be an actor. I think that that part of their reaction was just like, thank God she's doing something. <laughs> 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 so they were like okay like well, first of all we're saving money on college and like at least she's not just gonna at least she didn't come to us and say i just want to stay at home for a while and like hang out and play video games or something at least she's not working at arizona Pete's. right so that's they said all right you know what i said look i, I don't want to go to college i don't think it's for me i want to move to la and i really want to try to be an actor and they said okay we will help you buy your plane ticket And I was like, I couldn't have been more grateful. It was uh, really awesome. And that's what they did. So I I moved to LA and I moved in with uh, Chris was his name. And he, I lived with him. And let's see. It was six of us in a one bedroom apartment. There's the cliche and stereotype. Yep. The starving artist uh, communion. So how long were you there? And where did you sleep? Well, so, okay. I was there for a few months. Uh, I, there were two guys who slept in the living room. It was a one bedroom. Two guys slept in the living room. There was a couple who slept in the bedroom. And there was a couch in the bedroom that the luggage sat on. So the couple was, was on one side of that couch on the far end. And they slept on a bunch of pillows with a blanket. Chris had a mattress. um, And he slept on the mattress on the other side of the couch. And I slept with him on the mattress. It is getting dark. Separate blankets. Ah, okay. You had to tell the story before. with him, but not with him, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and, and that's what it was. It was, it was, it was so weird. Cause so we had two pairs of people. One was a couple, one was not, um, in the, in the bedroom. So there was four of us in the one bedroom and then two people were out in the living room and that's, we just sort of made it work. And you were there for a few months. Where'd you go next? I, I, this was in Burbank and I, I ended up finding my own place and shortly thereafter they got evicted because they had six people living in a one bedroom and were living <laughs> on rent. <laughs> so, uh, so then Chris and the couple that was there, uh, 
also briefly stayed with me for a while and ended up, uh, the couple ended up, they were there for a very short amount of time, just, uh, and then they went to New York and then, um, Chris and I stayed roommates for a little longer and, uh, and then eventually, I mean, eventually we weren't roommates anymore. We, I, I, then, uh, yeah, that was it. I just lived on my own in Burbank for a while. And I've kind of bounced around since then. I lived in Santa Monica, and now I'm I'm back in the Valley in Van Nuys. That was the next cliche thing. I guarantee you, half my listeners right now have no idea what the hell you just said there. They're like, "Oh, I know Santa." Yeah, Monica. You're right. Yeah, sorry, I forget. It's it's in, yeah. I know. <laughs> She's staying in some guy's van. I know. Yeah. Okay. So to put this in, uh, for everyone else, I, I bounced around a lot. That's it. I, that was the most LA way I could have explained that like, yeah, I had roommates and then I got my own place. Well, and I commend you because I wish I would have done that. I was talked out of by family and basically implemented in fear of you're going to fail to where I never took that chance and just went somewhere. You know what I mean? Like you're doing I, it now in Indiana, and you, by the way, you can always move out to LA. Oh, I've, there's been serious discussions uh, as of late. There really has. That's awesome. I'm for sure. I'm for sure coming out there this fall. Um, oh. Recorded something. So the story of how I became a single dad, and then how I got sold custody, and everything else has now been worked into an entire hour long set that is that story but it's also i've taken the single that material that i came up with over the years and put it into the story where it fits and it's a dark story that has heroin and you know domestic abuse and everything else but i've kept it light i had uh the best coach i could have i could ask for you know helping me with giving me advice on how to deliver a set like that um for new listeners, Daniel Sloths. Go check him out on Netflix. He's the king of dark material. Um, and he was really instrumental in helping me get over a lot of mental things that comedians put up in our mind. Um, but you're going to make it. Like, you, there's, if you don't, then I have no chance in this business. You're oh, going to make it. Uh, well, from, you what is it? You from your mouth to God's ears? Is that the, the saying? <laughs> You are definitely from North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, you know, I still say y'all. Um, okay, so I, we got two more things to do here. Uh, next. So again, I don't know when uh, this episode is going to be in our uh, in our uh, stream. So this may be this may be something that already happened, and you guys are now, you know, kind of the cool thing seeing you later on the birth of it or you may be getting a preview of the brad scott daniel sloss animal battle march madness i took march madness away from everybody you know because of this whole coronavirus so we're going to give you a little taste of march madness mason and i are going to come up with 16 animals we're going to put them into eight pairings and battles and figure out which animals should be battling which in the first round. All right. All right so let's see here. Not- so let's see. you already have one? First of all, is, am I allowed to be biased and say who I think should win? Like the whole thing? Yeah. Let's do your favorite. Save that till the we'll get predictions. Got it. 
All right. Uh, so let's see. One, two, three, five, <laughs> six, seven. You're not the only one bad at math. Uh, all right, perfect. And then let's do it again. One, two, three, four. Okay. Let me see uh, what you've done so that I can I I don't lose track. This oh, is good. A, I can. I'm gonna use. Are there six lines on each prettier. side? Yeah, I'm just right now. I'm just keeping track of the matchups. I'm gonna make a pretty one. You know, okay. like. Uh, no, yeah, I just want to make sure that I can keep track because I'm definitely gonna lose track. So who who should, what? Okay, so each side was gonna have a number one overall seed. The the one who's supposed to be the biggest badass of that division. So we have the East and West. Um, who is, because it'll be number one versus number eight. So who should be our number one seed on the, let's, well, you know, let's not do East and West. We don't want to make people think sections of the planet. Because it doesn't, it's not matter. So here's, here's the, the rules. It does not matter where the animal's from. They're not grouped together by that. Okay. They're grouped together by perception of badassery. <laughs> okay. And the higher seed has home field advantage. So if a great white shark is the three seed going up against a giraffe who's a six seed, which a giraffe's not probably going to make the tournament, uh, the giraffe has to go to the ocean. Okay. So what is our number one overall seed? Do you have one? Like the vis the most mightiest? Yes. One of the two. One of the two, because there's going to be two number one seeds. I mean, I think the polar bear. Ooh. That is, that's a good one. That yeah. is, um, well, that is the polar bears are, uh, I believe they're like the most apex predator in the world, right? They're the largest uh, mammal uh, predator. They're you know vicious. What? Polar bears are not to be trifled with or truffled with if you're Michael Scott. Okay, but okay, so I'm a counter argument. Because okay, I think I think so. He, let's first let's go over who 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 you think not just one, but who are going to be some of the the animals that people are. I think a lion would be in this lion list. definitely. Uh, I polar would say bear, bald eagle probably. I feel like some no. one. I have, no bald eagle. No, as a predator. I mean, I wouldn't want to go up against the bald eagle. First of all, America, they have freedom on their side. And second of all, I've used, they have claws, man. They're, they're yeah. a predator. But they're just basically a vulture with a good PR agent. Yeah. A harpy eagle would be a better one. That's a okay. bad, bad eagle. But hold on. But a great white shark, I feel like, would be considered by a lot of people to be a white Definitely one. great white shark. When you say great white shark, I was like, oh, that's a, we got to put them on there. So here we go. I don't I'm going to get I'm going to get like four of these for our, our potential number one seeds, and we're going to figure out. And then, I mean, a grizzly bear's got to be up there. A tiger. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, we got to have. First. There's got to be a lion, go, a tiger, and a bear. Oh my, you know. We're not going to do it by seeding. That's ridiculous. We're going to just come up with our sixteen animals and then seed them. All right, let's do it. So we got right, so polar lion, polar bear, lion, great white shark, great right. Polar bear and grizzly bear. Tiger. Grizzly. So we got five. That's what you have, right? Do you have the the representing the avian community? One of the, the eagles? Eagle. A harpy okay. eagle. Okay. Harpy eagle. I'll give you a harpy eagle. 
That was very LA of you, by the way. What? I believe the avian community should be <laughs> representing the avian community. <laughs> six. Okay, so we have six now. We need ten more. Um, let's see. Wait, who's uh, your six? I'm missing someone. I've got lion, polar bear, great white shark, grizzly bear, tiger, harpy eagle. I was missing tiger. Uh. I don't know. Does well, like a jellyfish count? Like the fight? Where does the like the Japanese manta ray jellyfish something? Uh, man of war, not manta ray. Manta ray. You know what? Yeah. All right. Because and depending on its seating, like, but the only thing. Okay, so the only reason, the only reservations I have about that is. It's gonna be the same. It's gonna be the same argument why a great white shark may not be able to be a number one seed. It's gonna depend on the seeding because if it's a four seed, it has no shot. But if it's the one seed and it's at home field advantage, it's right. You know. So we'll put that to the side. What about uh, okay? A rhino? So maybe a jellyfish. That's a baby. What about Man. a rhino? Okay, yeah, rhino's a good one. I didn't even think and about that. Oh, easily. I mean, the jaw-crushing power? No, hippos got to be on there. Hippos kill more people than sharks. Ooh, I didn't know that. Two, four, six, eight. 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 Now I'm going to offer up one that's... Harambe? That's, uh, what's that? Sorry, were you? did you say an ape? Because I, I immediately no. went to gorilla. Gorilla's got to be on there, though. You're right. Silverback. I feel bad. Oh, R.I.P. Uh, Harambe. <laughs> My dick's out, by the way. <laughs> That's the thing, right? That was the thing, right? Because otherwise, that just sounded like the creepiest line in podcast history. <laughs> right? That was the thing. I'm not misremembering that. It was dicks out for Harambe, right? Yeah, yes. No, it was. And you are aware of that. What if I just <laughs> was like, what if I just was like, no? <laughs> well, no, you went silent, which was worse, because then it's just me, it's just hanging I there. Did, I um, laughed. But, I, okay, well, I didn't hear that laugh. So all I heard was silence, and this whole podcast oh, has been no. like, oh, Mason's so beautiful, and everything else. And then out of randomly, I just go, my dick's out. So you were just like, my dick's out, by the way. <laughs> two, four, no, six. No, it was, eight, it was dick's out for a long day. <laughs> no, I got the reference. Let it be known. Don't pay do attention to the fact it was out for the office as well. <laughs> that time, though, I got it. What about a, a, a like a king cobra? Ooh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, we gotta go into. Do insects count? Because oh. what about aren't there those those bee or the wasps that murder people? Yeah, but I can't. That thing's not gonna do anything against any of these animals. I feel like. Remember, they're not born against people. There's got to be someone has to represent this. <laughs> we need all equal representation. The the insect and arachnid <laughs> communities, you know. Ooh, the arachnid community can make an appearance. Uh, what about wait, what about a crocodile, like a saltwater crocodile? Ooh, yeah. Okay, let's, let's go crocodile. Yeah, crocodile. Okay, so two, four, six, eight, ten. I've got eleven. For sure on the board right now. Oh shoot! Okay. Um, you want me to read you the list that I have? That's definitely in. Give me some of your last ones after Silverback Gorilla. 
Oh my God. I, so I swear to God, I did not do this like on purpose. And because I just now realized it, I want to see if you can see what I wrote there. The regular King Cobra. No, 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 no. go back. Oh, still Rebecca Romney. I just realized, okay, so we have Lion, Polar Bear, Great White Shark, Grizzly Bear, Tiger, Harpy, Eagle, Rhino, Hippo, Silverback, Harambe, King Cobra, Crocodile, and what was, what'd you, oh, uh, we have Black Widow, would that be the arachnid communities? Yeah, isn't the brown recluse supposed to be worse than the Black Widow? I think so, but I, I'm not even making this up. Uh, a guy I went to high school with died of a brown recluse bite. Whoa. I, in the shower. I think that the Black Widow gets all the... She has a great PR team, the Black Widow, and she's got I mean, that sexy outfit. The most... <laughs> the most deadly spider is the Sydney Funnel Web Spiders. Oh, okay. This says Venom. These spiders deliver venom with their large fangs capable of piercing. Oh, wait, no. The 10 most dangerous spiders in the world... The Brazilian wandering spider is number one. The black widow is number two. I'm going to give it to the black widow base because black widow has the reputation. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so black widow is the arachnids uh, representative. Is there any other communities that you feel are being marginalized? In this <laughs> I see. Amphibians? Do we have? What about a uh, a poison dart frog? Wait, is, isn't a crocodile an amphibian? No. I think they're a reptile. I think they're a dinosaur. I maybe yeah, I could be wrong though. I I cannot take any credit. Okay, I want I we have four spots left and I want to make a case right now before those get taken because there's one animal I it's my favorite animal. All I right. Think the honey badger has to be represented. The honey badger? It's Guinness Book of World Records the most fearless animal on the planet. All right, man. I mean, I'm willing I to put him on there. I, I mean, I, he'll be the underdog, though. He's I know he can. There's something about bees, right? I watched a video a long time ago. So, no, he they like, there's, can't get stung by bees or something. Oh, no, I know what you're thinking of. Okay, so his first, with the bees, it's his preferred skin is so thick that the bee things mean nothing, but it can be bit by a king cobra. And it takes a nap, and then it's good. Whoa! Okay, I didn't know that. Plus, the the pups stay with the mom longer than any other um, marsupial, and the way that the pups know it's time to leave is another male honey badger will come over, dig a hole, take the mom in the hole, start fucking her, and then the pups like, all right, well, I guess I'll get my shit and go, and then. That means, like, it's the most badass stepdad on the planet. And it's just like, don't call me dad, call me Rick. So Dang. Honey Badger goes on there. Okay, honey, let's put, let's put Honey Badger on there. All right, now we need, we need uh, three more spots. Yeah, we need three more spots filled. We've got the, uh, I'm not smart, so what was the bird community called? <laughs> Is it offensive to call them the bird community? Oh, the avian community? Yeah. Avian community, excuse me. Yes, the avian community. That's their preferred nomenclature. Yes, um, yeah. We have the... Well, I mean, I can't put a frog on there. Because I, I feel like looking at this lineup right now, everything on here destroys the frog. 
I mean, okay, hold on. A poison dart frog, all it's got to do is touch you, right? Isn't that the... But that's... Are you thinking of people? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. People aren't in this tournament. They go against each other. Well, people... Sh- I mean, maybe we do need to... Maybe Man. people should be represented. Man. You know what? Man goes on the tournament. I don't know, though. Is that... No, Man that's with, not. with only himself, no weapon. No, because the man is in the same position as the tree frog. It's going to get destroyed. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making executive ruling them both out. We need three more legit badass animals. Okay, hold on. I, I feel I have to... I feel I have to... I don't know. I feel like I got to defend the damn amphibian. Okay, go ahead. Make, okay. Uh, uh, state your case. They... <laughs> That's not a good start. That is not a good start. You are... You are drowning. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna Wait, Google. Okay. You can't. Here's the thing. The poison dart frog is poisonous, and so I th- I may be incorrect about this. Google will have to back me up. But from what I understand, is the poison dart frog. First of all, if you touch it, you get poisoned. But how is an animal like, for example, poor Hemplo, a lion? If he were to go and, like, kill a poison dart frog, what does he do? Probably, like, bites it, right? Yeah. Okay, well, then no, he's dead because of the poison dart frog. Well, what if he squashes it with his paw? Okay, and, and so... lions may be resistant to the uh, poison. Maybe, the but way, we don't know. That It's just a question, you know? The, who knows? And would you really want to chance it? Like, I, I think the poison dart frog deserves to be on there because I think he I, could... I he Mm-hmm. I think you're defending your wrong one. I think you need to go to Google right now, and I think you need to put into Google, uh, or go sorry, go to Yahoo, go to Yahoo, and put in the Yahoo search bar "most dangerous animals." Do that right now. Okay, fine. Okay, most dangerous so, animals. Literally, so go to the Yahoo search bar, put "most dangerous animals," and yeah, I gotta say, I right. use Google. I know that they're whatever. Some they're the devil, but mosquito is on there. No. Fox jellyfish is on there. I mean, what is this? This is a thing. It looks like a an. Is that Yahoo? This is Google. No, no, go to Yahoo. Oh, I don't want to go to Yahoo. No, no, go to Yahoo and put in the search bar "most dangerous animals" and then look at the list on the right. Oh, I can't believe. Okay, hold on. Get out of here, Yahoo. Okay, most dangerous animals. Just most dangerous animals. That's it. Yep. And then look at the list on the right. Okay. Does it start? Ah! Number two! Wait, hey! what are you? Look at number one. The green anaconda? Wait, wait, are you a Yahoo? Yes, I'm a Yahoo. Here, look at mine. The scorpion? Mine says humans. Oh, I don't have right. humans. Here, I'll show you my screen. Oh, we have different things, which means it's change. But those are just going by the number of deaths of humans. Grizzly is on there. You got to remember, this this isn't like, this this isn't causing deaths amongst us in this tournament. They have to go up against a grizzly bear. Other animals. Yeah, so I don't feel like they... I don't feel a dark tree frog has a chance against a grizzly bear. Okay. Or Harambe. Fine. What about a wolf? What about a wolf? 
A wolf? Yeah. Okay. Let's, yeah, we got to have, you know, someone who's a canine. I understand that. Let's, yeah, someone's got to, that's fair. They've been overlooked for so long now. Well, yeah. Canine. All right, we need two more. A hyena? I don't know. We have a lot of catty looking things. I think we're covered. Oh, yeah. What about an elephant? Oh, yeah, 100%. Can't Obviously, believe. I mean, they're not even a, really a predator, but they could fuck you up no, no, if no, they this, wanted. Remember, this isn't a predator. It's a fight. Right, exactly. And they will they will throw down. Yeah, I mean, one more. Sorry, elephants. We need one more. We've got elephants. I just, I just need you to know I spelled elephant, elephant, E-L-P-H-A-N-T. I don't know. Well, I'm telling you right now, it's never gonna like let you live it down either. Yeah, no, it's it's always gonna, it's gonna be remember. elephant to me. Yeah, it's gonna remember. Well, the, the elephant's not gonna let you live it down. It's gonna it's gonna remember that shit. It's what they do. Well, they do. They, yeah, they never... Who's the who's the last uh, the last one in? This is this is the last animal before we feed them. <laughs> okay. You got polar bear, lion, great white, grizzly, harpy. Oh, go back, go back, go back, go back. Let's reveal it's okay. Go ahead. Okay, I got a polar bear. Mm-hmm. I got a lion. Mm-hmm. Great white. Yep. Grizzly. Yep. Harpy eagle. Yep. Iker. Yep. Rhino. Yep. Hippo. Yep. Silverback gorilla. Uh, no, I have silverback gorilla. <laughs> Silverback Harambe, yeah, you're right. Sorry, let me make a correction. <laughs> and that's how it's going in the tournament, as the way. Silverback Harambe. Mm-hmm. Uh, crocodile. Yep. King Cobra. Yep. Black Widow. Yep. Honey Badger. Yep. Wolf. Yep. And elephant, or elephant. Yep. What about a buffalo? Interesting. It's got it's a big animal, it's got protection, and it's got some horns. I feel like okay. you can do some damage. Look up a buffalo real quick. I just need to like I need to take in a picture. Okay, it's showing me Buffalo, New York. <laughs> it showed me Buffalo Wild. Okay, you know, all right, I can see that. Okay, okay. Are you are you are you good with the buffalo being our sixteenth? Or is there yeah. another what is there another animal that's more deserving? What are those the rams that hit each other in the skull? I think they're called rams, right? <laughs> I think they're just normal rams. No, you know what? I I think a buffalo is a good one. I there's uh, your LA bias coming through. Yeah. You think buffalo? Let's do Buffalo. I, I dig right. it. I think that's a solid choice. I'm looking I'm looking at him right now, and I wouldn't yeah, want to yeah, be chasing Wait, so they got the size. Oh, wait, no. You know what? What? It has to be a bull. Oh, I don't know how we forget. Yeah, no. It's yeah. Buffalo. So, Buffalo, yeah. you're gone. Yep. Bull, you're in. All right. Sorry, now, sorry Buffalo. All right, now we have a 16. Who is our two... Number one overall seeds. I think Lion has to definitely get one of those spots, right? Okay. 
Yeah. What do you think? No, I uh, listen. Well, hold on. Let me look at my list. Like on Reputation alone, wine, the king of the jungle. It's, you know, it's the king. I mean, it has uh, Donald Glover and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. You're, yeah, no, you're right. I think Lion. I mean, it comes in. It comes in with with not only reputation, but it, it's got the muscle to back it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the other side now, who's our other number one seed? I mean, look, me personally, I'm obviously biased towards the polar bear, but I think a gray white. To be honest, if we're talking about like people's perceptions, I've never like. I, I personally, I would say great white is what was what people would. Well, and here's my argument why I didn't think a polar bear should be number one. Uh, because people's now people's images of polar bears is just them starving and looking like they're yeah, doing heroin true. laying on a small piece of ice. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. That's what I'm saying is like, I recognize my own bias here. So great white sure I can go with that. Yeah, I think I think that overall people would say well, a gray white like that's something that that just the name alone it sends and it makes it more interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah, that was it. It makes it more interesting because it has it has home court all the way to the finals. Yeah, it's nice. So, and again, you know, not not to not to show too much of my LA side again, but it, we have we have two very different communities being represented in the shop. Here. <laughs> you have aquatic and land covered so you know all around i think i think we've nailed this now all right now who's our number two seed on the lion side so the number two seed on the lion side okay i'm thinking i'm thinking either tiger or grizzly bear lion great white uh, I think, yeah, one of those, I mean, yeah, I agree. Right, like, I kind of feel like those would be the next, you know, the next, like, because, again, we're, we're doing this based off of, like, you know, people's perception, uh, whether right. they won their conference tournament, or maybe Polar Bear can go a two seed. Oh, yeah, you know what? I think the Polar Bear and Grizzly Bear should be the two seeds. Get them in yeah. separate brackets. I agree. Polar bear versus grizzly. No, no, not versus. Oh. Remember, so, okay, right now, right now, like, uh, let's see. So I'm going to put the polar bear on the lion side. Okay, gotcha. And grizzly so goes like, on great white. Yes, exactly. So, like, if the, if the polar bear wins and gets through all of its matchups and the lion does as well, it'll be a polar bear and a lion to go to the finals. All right, uh, I, I got you. All right, so the Grizzlies, this. So the. Now we're at the, uh, the three seeds. Who should be our two three seeds? I feel like Rhino. That's a good one. And and Ryan Rhino makes Ryan Ryan makes sense with Lion. Uh, Rhino makes sense with Lion. Oh no no no! Actually no. Uh, it'll go down on the polar bear side because uh, Lion will get the advantage of playing the winner of the 4-5. Yeah, but they're on the same side of the paper, right? Yeah, but it won't be... Like, if the Lion wins its first matchup, the Rhino... Uh, like, and the Rhino wins its first matchup, it'll be Ryan and winner of polar bear in that matchup. 
Yes. No, yeah, I get that. I just, I, sorry. I, I'm only You're getting ahead of it. You're already calling the conference finals. Them. You're already calling the conference finals. <laughs> All right, so we're going with Rhino on the Lions side? Yeah. And then who's our three seed uh, for the, the great white division? Yep. Oh, that sounds really bad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Um, okay. Hippo? Yeah, let's do Hippo. That makes sense with, with you know. You know you know who right now is, is claiming they're being snubbed? The, the Tiger people. Oh, yeah. You know what? They I agree. You, wait, so do you think the Tiger should be the three seed or the, the uh, Hippo? I think we got to put Tiger with Rhino under Rhino. As a six? Well, no, you're getting ahead of us. We're still on the three seed on the great white side. So you, you think hippo? Yeah, aren't we a three on both? Here's what I have. Oh. Wait, lion. Lion, polar bear, and rhino, and then great white, grizzly, hippo. Okay, yeah. So now we need a four seed on the Lions side. I think that should be a. I, like you I think that should be Tiger, Tiger, right? Yeah, but I mean, okay, yeah, that's going to be a hell of a second round matchup if the Lions and Tiger win. Getting those guys together right out the gate. I yeah, like but it. that's. I mean, that's what we want. We got to put people in these seats, Brad. I know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, still think it's well. Not right now. We can only put eight of them in at yeah. a time. <laughs> um. I feel like I feel like the uh, it, for the other four seed, it's either the crocodile or the uh, the bull. Well, All right, right I'll tell you what. I was thinking crocodile. Crocodile, yeah. Yeah. So I think the fact that you said crocodile. Well, and because I mean that gives us a potential. We could be looking. So what do you this? We could be looking at two potential second-round matchups of lion versus tiger and great white shark versus crocodile. Yeah, I like it's it. It's nice. I like You've it. Got the, yeah, we just put up a hell of a tournament here. Uh, all right, the oh, yeah. five seed on the lion side. Let's see. I think that should be the elephant. I think elephant and a bull are your next five seeds. All right. Would you agree? I, I do. I, I definitely. I feel like elephant's been overlooked for a little while, and, and I think. Wait, do you think so the elephant should go on the lion side or the or the great white side? Oh, I think lion. Okay, so then the bull is going to be on the great white side. All right. Uh, all right. Who's now? We need our six seeds. Well, I'll tell you what, they were both high. This says more about us, but they were high seeds, and they were the last two that we barely got into the tournament. Yeah. Six seeds. So here's what we have. Oh, I think obviously Harambe's got to be a, a six seed. Yeah, now. This I mean, this, right now Harambe is that six seed nobody wants to play. Yeah, you're right. I, I feel bad for Harambe. We we got to represent. Let's stick him on the lion side, maybe. Sticks out again. Oh, sorry. I, you want to know. <laughs> Dicks right. out. Silverback Karambe's on the line side. 
Silverback Harambe versus I feel like Wolf should be on Polar Bears or Great White Side rather. Yeah. Yeah. Out of what's left, 100%. I'm with that. All right. All right. So now we've got our seven seeds. I feel like it's Honey Badger and King Cobra. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. So I think it's Honey Badger versus Polar Bear. Cobra. No, no, no. I think it's Honey Badger versus Grizzly. I think he goes on the great white side. You think Honey Badger goes on the great white side? Yeah, and I think Cobra goes on the lion side. All right, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. King Cobra. Because a first-round matchup of a Honey Badger versus a Grizzly is a little more fair than King Cobra versus a Grizzly. King Cobra, I feel like, has a shot against a polar bear. Okay. Because it's a little smaller, you know? I feel like a grizzly is just going to be too easy to stomp. All right, now we're We've got left... uh, Black Widow and Harpy Eagle. Oh. I think the Black Widow goes on the lion side. I agree. That's what I had. Yeah. Because the Harpy Eagle at least has a chance against a Great White because he can fly over. You know what I mean? Black Widow gets in the ocean. It's done. I hear you. All right. All right. So here is our final bracket matchups. In our first round in the Lion Division, we have the Lion taking on the Black Widow, one versus eight. We have uh, in the four. So that will take on the winner of the four or five matchup. Now, this, this right here, this might be the best matchup of the first round. A tiger versus an elephant. Round one. Two, I feel like, would have been heavy favorites for a lot of people. Yep. Three, six on that side. We have Rhino versus Silverback Harambe. Dicks out for that matchup. And Dicks then out. finishing out the first round, we have Polar Bear versus King Cobra. On the Great White Division, we have Great White Shark versus a Harpy Eagle in the first round. The Crocodile versus the Bull. I think it's going to be the sleeper good matchup. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's oh, yeah. expecting Crocodile to bowl to be much, but it's going to be one of those, like, triple overtime games. Then we yeah. have our three seed, the Hippo, taking on the six seed, the Wolf, and uh, the number two seed, Grizzly Bear, taking on my sleeper, the Honey Badger. All right, all right. And that is our bracket. Um, Warren Buffett is going to give out a million bucks. You got a beard for a bracket? Let me see. Yeah, what does it say? For bracket. Can you Boom. screenshot? I got screenshot this. Hold on. Perfect. And uh, yeah, Warren Buffett's going to give out a million dollars if you can get a perfect bracket. It's a, it's a crazy thing he does. Perfect. Um, and then, oh, and then a million dollars for the people who came up with the bracket. Hell yeah. I don't know at this point I would take a fast. <laughs> that would make. Like you, that's when you know your life's in a bad point. Is like if I had five thousand dollars right now, a whole lot of shit in my life would change. Just like that. <laughs> uh, by the way, what I want to say earlier about when we were talking about acting and comedians and chasing a dream, that is the one thing about our business is it, it's a lottery ticket. Ryan D. Miller was working oh, yeah. at a hotel one year ago. He will never have to do that again. He's set no. for the rest of his life. He's got one opportunity, and. Uh, before I get to this, uh, please, if you want to support Mesa, uh, or if you're a pervert and you just want to go look at how hot she is, you can find her on Instagram at Mesa 
Kronos is M-E-S-A-K-R-O-N-H-A-U-S, or go check the description of the episode. It'll be there as well. And we will... Uh, it does suck, though, because we can't do the photo together of recording. You know what? I'm coming off to LA to do it. I'll be there. Perfect. We'll do, it. we'll do it after the fact. Uh, so one thing I will do uh, with guests, if we don't have a specific like topic in mind, uh, or if this show's not one central theme, uh, is I send a little questionnaire. That way I can kind of find some things to maybe talk about. And Mesa, by far, by far sent back the best answers. And <laughs> so, That's because nobody else actually sent back any answers. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> they are much like my family, fans, and friends. They don't, they don't talk to me. I'm a little much. <laughs> All right. So, uh, okay. Here we go. What is uh, your current job? I'm a social media consultant, which is a job I basically made up. Also, semi unemployed because of this virus. I'm basically unemployed because Uber is slow as F. Fucking slow. Do you have different career aspirations? I'm an actor as well. I just don't make much money off of it right now. What is your passion? Is sarcasm a passion? Probably that acting. And you know what? Yes, it is because you answered with sarcasm. So it most definitely is a passion of yours. Heck yeah. Favorite place to travel to. That's a tough one. Ah. I hate That's a tough one. Home. What's it's the-, the only place I travel to like more than once. You know, there aren't a lot of places I've gone back multiple times. So I felt like, I feel like well, that's a corny I- answer. It's probably not true, but. Well, but at the same time, you like okay. So, like, if you were, if you lived in Cincinnati, I'd be like bullshit. <laughs> I've seen your photos and seen where you've been, but you live in LA. It can hold its own. Oh no, I'm at home, like North Carolina. I call bullshit. I've seen your photos. I've seen where you've been. Okay. Uh, Listen, I I, look as corny as it sounds. There's a there's it's hard to replace friendship, and I got some good friends back home in North Carolina that I'm like, oh, you know, I I feel like like I'm always excited to go to these places that I travel to because like it is really cool and all that, but like I don't have someone I'm looking forward to seeing when I go back home to North Carolina. I got like people where I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to see like these people, you know. When's the next time you're going back to North Carolina? Probably around the holidays. I usually, I usually am able to get back around uh, Thanksgiving and/or Christmas. Oh shit! So that's a while. Um, all right. The uh, favorite TV show. No, I, I, I wanted to ask you about this too. Uh, I said favorite TV show, current, all time, or both. You put The Office full stop. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know if you were saying like The Office is all of that, or full stop was a show I just never heard of. Oh, no, no, no. Full Office, full stop is like, it just checks. Obviously, it's not on anymore, but it checks all the, like, 
that's a show I could watch over and over. But I, I mean, I, I do watch other shows that I really like. I know, but I thought Full Stop might have been a TV show I had never heard of, or like it just yeah. sounds like a '90s sitcom uh, yeah, about full a gas stop. station <laughs> in North Carolina, uh, <laughs> run by the Full Family. Um, favorite movie? It changes a lot, but I love Crazy Stupid Love. Okay, favorite cartoon? I don't know. Where's that? Okay, top five comedians, and then you you stayed in no particular order. John Mulaney, Bill Burr, Eddie Izzard, also loved, uh, you want me to say? I mean, you can say it, you know. Louis C.K., I'm the same way. If you watch Hilarious and don't laugh, you have no... I'm, I appreciate his comedy. Uh, his personal life is not, uh, that's not... Separate the artist different. from the art. Yeah, I, I, but as a comedian, when I watched him on stage, I, I very much enjoyed his comedy. Well, and I think if you go sniffing around musicians, you're not going to have much music left in your library if that's what you're going right. to do. Separate the from art. Um, now, there's there's another part of this answer that I want to touch on. Obviously, I'm biased to a few comedians who are great friends. Drew Lynch, Preacher Lawson, and Kenny Garcia. The audience thought I was going to keep talking because they expected me to say, and Brad Scott. Oh, yeah. I, I'm apparently not a great friend. You specified, hold on now, hold on, because you specified that in one of the questions, you were like, uh, I think, what's your favorite podcast aside from oh, subjective? Yeah, I, I intentionally left myself available for this one. I want to see. Oh, where okay, I my bad. I thought you were intentionally saying, like, I thought there was an understanding here no, that I, you were obviously in there. And so I, no, I need no, not no, mention. This whole episode, I have been talking about how great you are and you're going to definitely achieve all your dreams. And you're like, no, you don't even catch my top eight. Hold on. No, no, no. There was not a there was not a section on the questionnaire for that. I thought it was understood. I mean, that like, listen, I've been honored from from the moment you asked me earlier today I was <laughs> <laughs> to and be on this podcast. On. First of all, the first phone call I made was to my mother. I was like, by the way, I will say you are the first person that's ever shouted back, shouted out the name of the pod on the pod. So hey. you, have, you, have, you have a special place in my heart. Heck um, yeah. No, I, I will. I am being, I'm genuinely serious. Like, obviously, uh, you know. <laughs> I will say that you, you actually have every reason to not put me on that list. Because you saw me MC like two and a half years ago. Uh, yeah. Sloss does this too. Where, because I'm like, Sloss and I, worked together seven years ago and uh i remember one day we were i don't know what we were doing we were walking somewhere and i was like you don't think i'm funny and he's like of course i do man i'm like no like, i mean I, I know you think i'm funny and wise i'm like but you don't respect me as a comedian and he's like no i absolutely do i'm like no you're fucking lying because you have no reason to you only saw me mc for you seven years ago i was trash I would obviously lose respect for you as a comedian if you did respect me as a comedian. He's like, I respect you. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, let me see. Exhibit A, counselor. You better be going somewhere with this. Um, Wait, I will hold on, because I do want to give Exhibit A for you. Here's the deal. It has been a while since I've seen your comedy. and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I blocked out a lot of that weekend. So I can I'm only see. I blocked out a lot of your set. <laughs> Uh, I know I can only speak to your character, which is I remember that you were part of why we made it through that weekend. 
I remember that the audience really liked you. They were like, you just, you killed it. Because I think they, they were set up for such failure with the way that she set up those shows. And you can tell that there's a really big difference between a good host and a bad host. And you were a great host. You got them ready to go. Um, you were the, like, the glue that held the weekend together, um, not just with uh, Drew's crew, but also with the staff at the comedy club that night. So you stood out from the very beginning. And since then, um, just through our interactions on social media and all that, you have always been just incredibly funny and supportive and a wonderful friend. So that is what I can say about that. Okay, you're you're back. I have not listened to your podcast, but (laughs) (laughs) nobody has. Uh, I will be a hundred percent on it. You can count on me for honesty. And you know what's crazy? I don't. I will now. Is the thing now? I'm. I'm, You only have to go back like the last six episodes. (laughs) Because okay, so this podcast started with uh. Me and uh, my friend Brent did a, uh, a wrestling podcast. It was like a comedy wrestling podcast. So we made fun of wrestling every week. And then I was also, the first podcast I ever did was a movie podcast. I got fucking sick of talking about wrestling and movies every week. I was like, I need another podcast where I can just talk about random shit. Call it My Way Podcast. And I would basically uh, give out way too much of my personal life and talk way too honest about comedy. It made some enemies in the business. And... Then realized that My Way Podcast was the douchiest podcast name in history. So we changed it to Subjective Comedy, went a little bit longer, and then way, like uh, the guy Sinatra. that I was... Huh? My Way, like Frank Sinatra? Yeah. Gotcha. Such a douchey name for a podcast. I got you. And okay. so then, then, we, then we got rid of uh, the, the old producer because he was lazy and not good. And I stopped doing podcasts altogether for about a year. And then Creative Zombie Studios, uh, producer BS, who produces my show now, was like, hey, I need some podcasts for the live show here at PopCon. Why don't you do some shows there and then start doing the show again, and I'll produce it. We'll put it on a Creative Zombie. And because he asked me that, that's why I came back and started doing it again. And I couldn't, I don't know if I'm prouder of any collection of work outside of that single dad set I wrote than the podcast episodes we've done since then. If you start at the Battle of the Sexes and go listen from that point on, they're all good episodes. Before that, you never know. Grab bag. Some of them maybe, and I'm not, and I and I do not stand for them, but the last one since they've been Creative Zombie, the Homelessness episode, the Witchy Woman in Austin episode, they've all been really good. This one has been my favorite so far. Well noted, and you know what? Actually, one thing that I do want to—I want to say again—is that I neglected to mention you when you said single dad. It reminded me your support of your son um, is really something that's very beautiful and awesome, and it just makes me so happy when I see it. Um, I think he—he sounds like such a funny kid, um, and like. I feel like we would get along, but also just to see like the two of you, you, you seem like such a team and the way that you support him is really, really awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah. And like, I saw he went to Hamilton. Oh, so yeah. So we were supposed to go last December because it's his favorite thing in the world. Oh. And 
he and I would get along so well. I want to talk to him one day. We got we I got to meet him. I'm a uh, huge fan. I'll bring him to North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> so we went uh, when we were uh, went to go when we we always go out to eat with uh, Sloss before uh, shows. Like we went to Cleveland and Detroit, a few other ones. And when he was in Indy, the whole car trip, he, my son talked to Daniel about nothing but Hamilton. So then after I take, uh, my mom comes to pick Daniel up, so my Daniel, not Sloss, uh, Charlie, sorry, he goes by Charlie. Uh, my mom comes to pick Charlie up so I can go out to the bars with everybody. And I get back down to the green room and Sloss is like, Brad, fucking Live Nation books Hamilton. And that's who looks at. So he's like, I'm getting your fucking tickets. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, like, let's slow down. I mean, that's, if they're free, absolutely. They're not. Um, he got me in touch with the, the Live Nation people who then got me in touch with the, uh, uh, the Old National Center, which is the name of the theater. Here's the thing. No one gets free Hamilton tickets. The hookup they offer any artist is we'll sell you tickets that haven't gone on the secondary market. So you're not going to be paying five thousand or whatever. So the tickets they offered me were three hundred and fifty dollars each. Mm-hmm. Single dad, not greatest stand-up comedy. So uh, <laughs> I worked my ass off. Yeah. I did so. I did so much Ubering to make up the money, and I was like one hundred and fifty dollars away. And then they said, like the lady said, like, "Hey, uh, just you know, email me when you're ready to get the tickets, and I'll." Give you the leak and you have a 72 hour window. So I was like $150 away. I, like, I can make that an Uber tomorrow. So I get the link. My car breaks down. No! $575 to fix. There goes the money. So I was trying to find tickets on StubHub and everything else. And I just wasn't able to ever get the money to do it. And it was a thing where I would literally be nauseous every single day because I would think about it every day. And I felt like I was letting my son down. And I was, and he didn't even know about it, by the way. He knew Hamilton was here, but he didn't right. know that I had a chance to get tickets. So I was like literally nauseous every day. I couldn't sleep. And then uh, I go to uh, Sloss was in New York. And so I've always wanted to go to New York. I hadn't been. So I was like, I'm going to go see him for a weekend. So I go out to New York. We go out to, uh, we go out with, uh, after his show with a friend, his name, Emily, who's an actress out in New York. And we're talking about, like she, cause she's asked me questions about Charlie and everything. And he's, uh, he's like, keep about Hamilton. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's favorite thing in the world is Hamilton. And Sloss is like, Oh my fucking God. I can't believe I forgot to ask. How's Hamilton? And I'm like, well, he's like, what the fuck, man? He's like, why didn't you call me? He's like, I would have, I would have paid for him. And I was like, yeah, it's like, dude, like, for those of you who don't know, like, uh, the reason Daniels is is uh, Charlie's godfather is because his first godfather was the guy that I started uh, comedy with, who was my best friend uh, and my roommate for years, Terry Cody. Thanks for bringing him up. He died of cancer, and. He uh, he died in October of 2018. 
I remember for like the first month or so trying to think of who was going to be my son's new godfather. I'm an atheist, but to me, a godfather is just somebody that takes care of my kid if my right. demons catch up to me. So every person I thought of would say or do something where I'd be like in my head, like, you're out. And I couldn't think of anybody. And then uh, we went to go see him in Detroit because actually, so this was shortly after uh, Charlie told me that he was a lesbian. He liked girls instead of boys before he identified as a boy. He was still Harper. So he finds Daniel's joke about gay penguins from Conan. Being at the zoo and seeing gay penguins, he's like, Dad, you've got to see this comedian's joke about gay penguins. And I go, ha, that's one of my really good friends. And uh, he was like, really? One of your really good friends? Or like, you're his Uber driver and you couldn't take a hint. And I was like, well, that's a shitty thing to say to your father. <laughs> and uh, I went, I was like, you know what? He has two Netflix specials. So she immediately goes upstairs, watches them, comes back down, she quoting right and left for days. And I'm just sitting in this lost little videos. And he's like, that's the best fucking thing in the world. And so when he was in Detroit, Detroit's like three and a half hours from here. So I am like, hey, man. I'm thinking about coming up to Detroit. And he's like, yes. He's like, bring your fucking adorable daughter. I'll get you guys VIP, blah, blah, blah. We go up there. He, that, that dude has never said an insincere word to me in his entire, entire existence of knowing him. And he's never been insincere with anyone because he's never had to be. He's a comedy prodigy at 16. He's never had to be insincere because he's been successful his entire life. He has no reason to be. He can say what he wants and there's, you know, he can. So... We go up to Detroit, and then before the show, we're doing the sound check and everything. And then as we're watching, he talks about being a godfather to another friend of his child. And something just clicked in my head, and I'm like, of course. It has to be him. He's the perfect choice to be. I trust him. He's, like me, he's very liberal, but at the same time, he likes perspective, and he likes to keep himself kind of in the middle, not get extremist one way or the other. And at that point in time, I was just thinking that my son was going to be dealing with things about being a lesbian. I'm like, he get he gets all that. And he'll be able to navigate and help him navigate that life, you know, with, with, with support. And he's rich. <laughs> I mean, he's rich. So Now we get to uh, the real. Okay. Uh, what? I said, now we get to the real root of, of, of all I of mean, it. yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, well, but I mean, it doesn't matter for me. I'm going to be dead. I'm not going to get to enjoy it. <laughs> and that's what I told my son, too. I told you this before we record. It doesn't mean you can hope something happens to me, but I think he puts glass in my food. So um, we're after the show, we are uh, downstairs in the green room and everything. We're hanging out with his manager, Marlena, a very sweet lady. And he gets a, a tweet from some fans who want to smoke weed with, with him. So he's like, uh, Harper, you okay here with Marlena? <laughs> We go out to smoke weed, meet his fans. Uh, which, by the way, that's another thing. He will always, like, he he goes out of his way to make sure he gives fans a true experience when they want to meet him. And from watching a, a crowd of 200 every night, four nights a week, not know who he is and respect him and appreciate him seven years ago, and one of them threatened to shoot him, to seeing people literally crying because they get to meet him after being in a theater of thousands, it was an incredible experience. Wow. But... We're walking back, we're like it clicked in my head. I'm just like, okay, I gotta ask him this. This is gonna be so awkward. I am not good at this stuff. I'm not asking people for anything, let alone, hey, would you mind caring for my child if uh, something happened? Because I mean, let's face it, with my demons, I mean, it's it's not like it's a 90 10. Uh, so 
I'm stumbling through it. I'm just like, hey, man, uh, don't answer this right now. Like, you don't have to answer. Just think about it. Don't <laughs> even give me an answer right now. But, like, uh, I'm like, Harper's first godfather is the guy I started out with comedy with. Uh, and he's like my, he was, like, my best friend. And he passed away last October from cancer. Thanks for bringing him up. Uh, I'm like, but <laughs> I've been trying to find a, a replacement. But I'm like, so, like, it's, I know, like, and I'm just, I'm really not getting the and it, it's just so the most awkward conversation any human beings ever tried to have with someone else. There's another reason I love this guy. He is very, like he's very intuitive. And I, he knew, he stopped me. He goes, Brett, I know exactly what you're saying. Of course, fucking course, man. It'd be a fucking honor. Absolutely. Fucking honor. And he gives me this huge hug, uh, which relieved me of having to keep speaking, which was nice uh, because I was doing, not doing a good job of it. And then, uh, I just said, Charlie at Texas just said, you're not going to really understand this, but do you remember your godfather, my best friend Terry, passed away from cancer last October. Thanks for bringing him up. Uh, do you, I, you, Daniel's going to be your new godfather. And I go, you don't understand what that means now, but just know it's really fucking cool. And it gives me a lot of peace of mind so I can live my life better. And and at Morty's, no, you know, something happens to me. My kid isn't just out there on its own and stuck. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we get back downstairs, runs up, gives him the biggest hug. Like runs up to Daniel, gives wraps his arms around him, gives him the biggest hug. Thank you, thank you. To which I said, "Hey, fucker, you're not going with him yet, okay? I have to die first. <laughs> and again, that's why I think he puts glass on my food. But since then. Like, uh, like Daniel messaged me immediately, uh, send me birthday, uh, favorite everything. I need to know everything I can. Just send me a list. And they message on WhatsApp all the time. And uh, so that's that's the story of how he be, kind of came into my son's life. Me, he and I have been friends for seven years now. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think we bond so well together because we're both very sincere, honest people. And I'm not used to that in this business in this country, definitely. Mm-hmm. So we were in New York, and he's shitty that I didn't tell him about the thing. I would have bought the fucking tickets. I'm like, no, I'm like, dude, you've done so much already, and you're my godfather. Like, you, I can't keep asking you for stuff. He's like, yeah, but it's not for you. I don't give a fuck about you. It's for Charlie, man. I'm Charlie. I don't do it for Charlie. I was like, Aww. yeah, I know, but so then. The following uh, Monday, I was on my way to an open mic, and Emily, the girl that uh, we, you know, we were hanging out with, that he knows it's an actress out there. She uh, she messaged me and she's like, "Can you and uh, Charlie be back in New York on Thursday?" And in my mind, I kind of knew where it was going. But I was like, I mean, probably, but I'm thinking like, oh, I'm, they're going to be like, we got the hookup on the, she said we might be able to find like, you know, tickets are only 200, 250 each. And it's in New York. And I'm like, yeah, that would be amazing. But in my head, I'm like, oh my God, that's another $500 I just make in four days. And so uh, I'm like, probably, and she goes, okay, uh, we have tickets for the seven o'clock Hamilton show. Be here uh, by, we have to pick them up by 630. And I go, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come up with the money. Like, I just, that's a short time. And she goes, no, Daniel already bought them. 
and oh, then God. and then he sent me money to help with the rental car to pay oh, that. That's and awesome. Also, that's we bought amazing. a ticket for Emily because Emily loves Hamilton, and he knew that Charlie would get a kick out of being able to share that experience with someone who loved it just as much as he did. And so the three of us. Now, here's the thing: he didn't just get us tickets to Hamilton. We were eighth row. Oof! In the original theater where it started, and then because of Emily. She knows, uh, she's really good friends with the composer. The guy who, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda hired to be the composer has been there since day one. We got to go after the show. We left the theater, and we went to the side, and we went behind this thing where all, like, there's, like, a a gate, you know, where, like, all the people are waiting to get autographs from people. We got to go behind it, and then we went back inside the theater, and we got to take photos on the stage, we got to meet all the cast. Uh, oh. It was the best night of my life. That's amazing. I love that. If you tell your son, if he ever wants to like just sing Hamilton, I will put on, I mean, because I do a one-man show of Hamilton where it's just me and and I go through the whole thing. I could really use a, a, a partner for the duets. He wants to go to California so bad. I, I don't know. It's been, like I said, I, well, you better definitely. you better pencil it in the schedule, okay? Whatever his I, rates are, I want to book him in because we got to sing Hamilton together. I am considering a move there, so you may get your chance. Okay, sooner, good. Sooner than later. Now, if you, have you seen the video of me telling him? Yes, I did. Where where I go? So if. Where you surprised him? Yeah, and you were like, so, "We're going to see Hamilton," and he yeah, like. He Somebody asked me if that was like if I if if we had like staged that or whatever, and I was like, no. I told him You're, I need you to help me do a video for my shows in uh, Michigan, and that's why he yeah. starts off with "What up, Michigan?" And I go like it because uh, Emily was like, "You have to send me his reaction," and I was like, "I've got to deceive him." <laughs> but no, that was that's like I get very lucky sometimes because of uh, people in my life that I've. I've been blessed to have come in it, uh, like Sloss, like Drew, um, that helped make it because he's had a he's had shit thrown at him that he had no responsibility for more than a lot of kids. Other kids have had more, and I've reminded him that over the years. But he's never used it as an excuse uh, to misbehave. He's never used it as a cry for attention. He's just fucking dealt with it. How, how old is he now? I'm sorry. 12. 12. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's got more strength and courage than I'll ever have at 12. He has he knows his true self. When people say, does he really know? Yeah. Like, if you know my kid, you know this isn't. Like, you, if you know my kid, you trust him. So I'm very, very lucky. It's easy to raise him. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. This is the well, I'm excited to meet him someday. Yeah, like I said it maybe sooner than later because, whew, Indiana is rough. But if you didn't think this podcast was funny, remember. Wait, no, first, thank you so much, Mesa, for joining us. This was, having- this was, oh, no, we got to read your last two. Your last two responses were the best. Oh, let's do it. I feel like we made some people cry. I hope not so. For the, not for the normal reasons, which is my attempt at comedy. Oh, no. Um, 
Okay. Come on, do it up here. Oh, do you, oh, here we go, here we go. Oh, no. Do you have them up? Uh, yeah, I can get them up. Let's see. I have so few emails. Here we go. By the way, I just told that story where it really reminded me how much I love my kid and everything else. I This is his laptop I had to borrow. I'm like, you little piece of shit. I think you got malware on there now. God. Uh, 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 the, uh, oh, so is good. this the biggest accomplishment? Oh, yes. So, okay, I got it now. So, the question was, uh, what is your biggest accomplishment in life? And Mesa's answer was not dying. Yeah, what not is- being dead yet. Not being dead yet. And then the next question is, what is your biggest disappointment in life? And Mason, what was your answer? What was your answer? Not being dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> the best answer ever. All right. If it you just didn't think so well, it, uh, it's not true. I'm. I, death is very scary, but. <laughs> but sometimes, it's, yeah, no, I get it. I 100. Yeah. percent We're kindred spirits. Yeah. I, I I understand exactly yeah, what you're the saying. Same. I figured I was like, if any, if I couldn't write this as an answer, here's where I feel safe doing. 100. <laughs> percent Because nobody's gonna be hearing this anyways. So, uh, <laughs> if you didn't think this podcast was funny, remember, comedy is subjective. Mesa, uh, thank you so much for joining me. If you want to check out her social media again, it's Instagram, M-E-S-A-K-R-O-N-H-A-U-S. And if you need some social media consulting um, in the L.A. area, hit her up on Instagram. Or anywhere. I do this uh, right now. Or oh, anywhere. You know? Instagram? Okay, yeah. yeah. Perfect. So all seven of you that live within 10 miles of this studio, uh, you need to step your game up. And by the way, I'm going to give your social media a, a proper plug because you do one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen anyone do on Instagram, which is photo descriptions. They're like three paragraphs long, and it's always Mesa is wearing a black. It's just the literal description of the photo. And, and I read every single one of them because they make me laugh every single time. You're one of my favorite follows. Yeah.